Video games are the youth phenomenon of our day. That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, mass effect in my house. The level of violence on video games is really shaping young people's thoughts. Hey, my mom just canceled my brother's uh, World of Warcraft account, and he is freaking out. The children are developing relationships with all these Pokemon creatures. And then there's the argument that video games can be art. Oh, what started with a little game called Pong only grows with every advance in microtechnology. Welcome to Hitpoint Pals, where we gather once a week to talk about the games we're playing and dive into some of the big picture ideas going on in the gaming and what, what's up? I'm sorry, it's World Milk Day according to Time That Is. <laughs> oh, damn. Welcome to Hitpoint Pals, where we gather once a week to talk about milk, the games we're playing, and dive into some of the big picture ideas going on in the gaming and pop culture world. This is episode 18, and this week we'll dive into the deep and confusing pool that is Hideo Kojima's latest game, Death Stranding. And we'll take a look at the newest Call of Duty, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which was an older Call of Duty, but not anymore, because now <laughs> it's new. But it's not the Modern Warfare that was remade into something new. This is the new, new Modern Warfare. That easily understandable situation aside, I'm your host, William Suit. With me today is Caleb Warwick, who, as far as I know, is not being rebooted as Modern Warwick. It's actually Caleb Civil Warwick. Oh, damn. All right, <laughs> like Caleb that. Civil Warwick, it's great to have you. But we're also joined by Rebecca Markley, who I'm sure is the biggest Call of Duty killstreak collecting gamer out there. Give us a shout out. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Ooh, said like, said like a gamer indeed. And last but not hey, least... Mom. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm offended. <laughs> oh, it was a throwback to the 12 year olds playing Call of oh, Duty. The days about of Xbox Live. I'm surprised that you got that. So now it's it just a weird a joke. Well, we also have the king of the podcast, Travis Lean. A king of the podcast, but don't call it a comeback. Uh, but, uh, yup. The wreck. Speaking of what not to call something, what would you call the king of all monsters? Godzilla's latest flick? Because we, we've apparently all seen it in the last, like, 24 hours. 24 hours. Yeah. I hated every scene involving humans. That's, that's all I have to say. I, I agree with you. <laughs> like, I was hoping it would either have less humans or it would have good human characters. It, it, I, I was disappointed <laughs> in, like, every way. <laughs> I like that we all got to see Godzilla because we delayed the podcast by a day because Will fell asleep. <laughs> yeah, I was I was dreaming about Mothra and that big moth booty. I I hated the mom character, like she. I'm going to commit genocide. Oh, now I feel bad about committing genocide. That's we should have sympathy. It's like ah. Oh, oh. Spoilers, by the way. Oh yeah, spoilers by the way. <laughs> well, it's uh, just a big monster movie. There isn't anything really transformative that happens. Oh yeah, but, but what that, about the, the sacrifice scene with the Japanese dude? That, that was pretty it's a neat scene. I like that Very scene. transformative when you remember the scene as the Japanese dude. Yeah, I, I don't remember his name. <laughs> Wait, but Travis, Rebecca, Travis and Rebecca, what did you guys think of the movie? I enjoyed this movie. Yeah, uh, it was fun. I got I got really bad third act fatigue, but I get yeah. that with every movie. Oh, okay. 
so I guess, I don't know, it didn't pass my very high bar for not, like, boring me to death in the third act, but every movie does that, so I, I can't really knock it too hard for that. Rebecca, what'd you think? I, it was, I mean, this was the very first Godzilla movie that I've ever seen, so I was a little bit confused oh. about why Godzilla was, like, good, because I guess I, I didn't know that he was good, um, so that was kind of strange. Um, Is Godzilla usually good? Uh kinda neutral he just happens to be a big monster and everyone he's else. like the nicest monster yeah but he's still like a monster all right he's just massive he's just so that's always gonna create possible problems <laughs> i was bored to tears on this movie <laughs> i I have I love Godzilla. I've seen like all of them, even like the really cheesy, like made for kids Japanese ones from like the 70s. I I've watched every Godzilla. I really like them. This movie, I was om I om I like almost fell asleep in the third act. Like oh, no. I did not care about the characters. Uh it's a movie about a giant monster. Well, that's what I would think, but it spends so much time focusing on this like disjointed family that we've like never seen we jump kind of like in the middle of things which isn't necessarily a bad thing but like what on earth is going on i just yeah. wasn't interested i felt like with godzilla movies you either for me go all in on the monsters or you go all in on like the commentary like shin godzilla has godzilla in it but it's a commentary on like the japanese bureaucracy there's it's it's something there's something there this film i didn't really feel it didn't really have much to say. I felt I wish they did more with the whole we've fucked up the planet. Oh, yeah, yeah because they put I a really, lot of emphasis on that, but I it wish, doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, I, I wish there was more. I wish that was a bigger thing. Um, It was really funny because there was a guy who was sitting next to us in the theater who was so upset about the parallels <laughs> to like climate change. Oh, he was just oh like no. huffing and sighing and like so <laughs> fidgety. Oh my gosh, Cam and I were just like laughing at him for a really long time. Um, I also have a similar story of someone sitting next to me during the movie, but it's not about climate change. It was just really funny to me. Um, there was so you know the two sacrifice scenes, right? In both of those scenes, the girl next to me was absolutely sobbing. Like, crying oh, her eyes out, like, the loudest crying I've ever heard anybody in any movie. And I was just I'm like... Well, wow, I'm envious. I wish like, I could, like, have that great of a connection. My, the funniest thing to me about the movie was the dad, and just, like, how he just knew exactly what was going on 24-7. Yeah. So he just, oh my he gosh. knew, he's like, oh yeah, Godzilla's gonna go this way because wolves fuck. And when they do that, um, that means they're going to go north. So when they go north, that means all the monsters are going to be there. And then the general's like, the military trained general that... He's <laughs> like, you're right. Like, you're right, genius. Um, I still don't know what that guy so did. Many times. Like, for a living, what, he just, like, hung out with wolves? Yeah. I, I, I guess wolves. so. Like, he's Created a nature photographer or something? really unclear on that. Created Hallmark... <laughs> What, oh my God. When I went to see the movie, there was a, a very little kid next to me. I think he was too young to be at this movie. Mm -hmm. um, and like, there was a part, like the movie starts and he's like, oh, where's Godzilla? And then his mom was like, you need to be quiet. And he said, okay, I'm sorry. Uh. Sorry. And then 
his mom like had him move seats and she like quieted him down but it was very funny for like i sorry <laughs> um, i want to sit next to that kid uh, there were bits in this movie where, like, having seen other Godzillas, there were things where I was like, oh, shit. Oh, whoa, that's neat. But also parts where I just got really, like, confused and, like, started, like, thinking, why is it this way? Like, they say, oh, the Ghidorah, he fell from the stars. <gasps> I, an, I thought that part was cool. Yeah, He's I an did. alien. And I remember because originally Ghidorah comes from, like, Venus. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, because I thought he was just some creature on Earth, but the way this movie was showing it. And then it's like, he fell from the stars. And I was like, oh, that's that's cool. Um, that one uh, scientist having a twin. I'm sorry? The the twins. I missed this. When oh, yeah. Mothra that wakes awakens from the cocoon. There's that one twin for the scientist, the, the woman. Yeah, I, I, don't I don't know. Oh, his. Oh, is that his twin sister? Her twin sister. Wait, what? The Asian scientists. There are two. Yeah. There's the twin. There she, are? She, oh. Here's the dumb. Here's the what? thing. She I shows up this. for one shot when Mothra uh, emerges. They say her name, but we don't know the other scientist's name, so it doesn't matter. She shows up with Mothra. And to me, that was like, oh, shit. Because in the original Mothra, there are there is this island of like, I think it's an island of twins. And there are these two oh, Japanese girls who, who are like connected to Mothra. And then that. Uh, the scientist woman went the one on the um plane has pictures of her family and the whole family's like of twins i thought that was to weird, me it was but like i, didn't, I, didn't I was like oh okay shit. well i completely missed that but then. here's the I thing was though just like number over. one are they setting up for like a new mothra that comes about number two i i don't i just felt like it was so weird to drop in like a twin for one shot that yeah I that is like weird Either you, get... you 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 could be confused and think that was the same scientist. That's what I mm -hmm. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that's what I thought. I don't. I hardly remember this. Yeah, but... she shows up for one shot, and it's she has long hair. And then I connected, and I was like, oh shit, that's her twin, and she's there with Mothra. When we hear like this, these like I don't know this call from Mothra, and I'm like, okay, they are. I'm assuming it's a callback to the old Japanese series of like these twins being connected to Mothra or worshiping So Mothra. it's kind of like an Easter egg for people who are familiar with the mythos. Yes. Okay. And I was just like, oh, that's cool. Why? Like, I feel like that's a bit of an odd thing to just kind of drop that's in this film. That's probably why, though. It's just an Easter egg, I would think. I, I would think so, too. But I did, I, I thought um, in the post credit scene, there was one of the social media things that said, like, there was an egg found, and I didn't get yeah. a good look. And I wondered if that was going to be, like, another cocoon, and then that would lead into something Mothra-related later. But it could be completely like, separate because it was just an egg and I, I didn't really see. I, I feel like they wanted to leave as many doors wide open as they mm -hmm. possibly could for many future installments. Yeah. Which makes 100% sense. Absolutely. There's just so many things. Uh, I felt like the movie was kind of, kind of dark and mopey most of the time, especially in comparison to the way it was marketed. Don't and call it a <laughs> Godzilla. We Will and I have spent we, we've had several conversations over the past few months just regarding the the <laughs> absurd marketing for Godzilla. Um, I feel like a lot of it is in response to the way 2014 Godzilla was received mm -hmm. in that it was just kind of like dreary. And that movie is a it, I don't like it very much. It's kind of like a slow burn of a movie. I think there are there's like there's a. There's a part of the, of people who like it, but I I'm not one of them. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have a ton of Godzilla in it. Was one of the big 
uh, like popular things to complain about in that movie. And so I think that the way that they were marketing King of the Monsters was kind of a way to counter that and get you really hyped to see like a lot of monster fighting action, which this movie had. It just like there wasn't as as much that like like you said, Will, there was a lot of focus on these kind of boring human characters who didn't really add too much to the story. Yeah. I think they do a really good job of when the monsters are fighting showing you gi- giving you a good sense of scale mm-hmm. like these monsters are are massive and they show you a lot of uh they they take an approach of putting the camera on the ground with these people and kind of looking up at the monsters yeah. and i wish that they did a little bit less of that and that we kind of got to see the monsters more like on their level fighting yeah. one another because it i don't know at times it like like it does a really good job of like putting you in in that place and letting you feel how big these fucking things are but also it kind of disconnects you from the monsters which is something that i i wish it didn't do i wanted to be more connected to godzilla and know more about like what he's thinking and what he's feeling because for the most part we have to just go off of what the scientists are telling us yeah, yes. and they're doing the same thing. They're like, hmm, uh, like, what's going on with Godzilla? How could like? And they're just kind of theorizing stuff. Like, oh, is he gonna gonna take a nap? Is he? Can we help him? Like, also, how on? do they know he's gonna one explode? How do they know? Like, do they just track him with his radiation and stuff? Man, that part is so funny. Like also, when didn't... someone is like, Godzilla's about to go thermonuclear. It's like, what? What? I was like, no, the, wait, hang on. The best part about that is he says, Godzilla's about to go like thermonuclear. And then somebody says, um, what does that mean? And then he provides not an answer, <laughs> but he says, it's going to be a bad day to be a Red Sox fan. That's even more vague. What are you talking? What do you mean? Godzilla's already stepping on the fucking stadium. What? Give us an answer. Was there were there any other characters in this movie that were like that totally inconsistent? Um, Not really. Like if you were if he, he alone would like he he's like the majority of the like jokes. Yeah. And they were. Like, I feel like yeah, it's so weird because it's like it's Bradley Whitford and Bradley Whitford he's known for the West Wing and mm. that he carries that same personality into this movie. It's just like they just picked him up out of the West Wing and put him in this movie and like. <laughs> Like, just pulled him straight out of the 90s and like, said, what, crack a bunch of jokes. <laughs> when Mothra flies out to, the, out to that, like, monarch outpost or uh, the oil rig, and it's, like, this, like, intense moment because we see the other twin, like, looking up at Mothra. We hear Mothra's call. And then that, the main character asks, like, you recording this? And he says, I, I record everything. And, and then there's, like, a weird joke there. Like, the way he looks at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like, it was just... Why? Weird. Who cares? We've got bigger things. This doesn't work. Like you Godzilla's like a joke. Right. There's nothing you've done here. He's right there. Godzilla's literally right there. Come on. Yeah, I, I thought I thought he was good in the uh, like the first scenes that he's in, where they're kind of like they're in this underwater base and they're looking out the window at Godzilla. Yeah. And I thought that the way his dialogue was kind of inserted kind of helped break up the kind of monotonous like action control room like action movie kind of like control room weapons uh, are yeah oh. yeah that you that you 220 meters I thought, I thought in this scene he did a uh, I, I thought his character did a really good job of just kind of breaking that up and kind of making it feel more human yeah and i think i think a lot of people around me agreed because i heard some people like laugh not in a mocking way but just like you know oh yeah like this is what that would be kind of be like 
But then he just kind of, I don't know, throughout the rest of the script, he doesn't fit in as well as he does in that one scene. I, really I feel like also in that, like that first scene with him, like making all those jokes, it's like, you know, uh, that one, what's the main character's name? I just keep calling him the main Oh, I don't know. I, I don't I'll, know call him, I'll call him J- Jimbo. Um, okay. When Jimbo, Jimbo is like, oh, don't, don't aim your weapons at it. Open the shield doors. That guy's making jokes because it's like, he's like, yeah. why are we listening to this dude? This guy's out of his fucking mind. Yeah. Dude, he okay. just knows everything. To me, it felt kind of super quickly went from like, I want nothing to do with these creatures to they're going here because of this. Oh, God, uh, Ghidorah's on his way for a uh, food, a fight or uh, something else. <laughs> oh my and gosh, somehow it like all relates to wolves so much. And it was just like, yeah, there's so much bad action movie stuff in this yes. movie that I feel. I don't know. A lot of times, like you can write it off as like, oh, it's like, it's like a, it's a, it's a popcorn flick. But also like, no. I feel like at this point, in the evolution of cinema, I don't understand how a lot of like cringy shit keeps getting into action. You, do you know what's anymore, considered a like... popcorn flick? Also, End Game, huh. which was yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, like this. Like I genuinely don't don't understand how you could like a Godzilla movie. Like even the way they marketed it, big monster punched the other big critter. Yeah, cool. And then give us just you know some context. Maybe make it a film that's like a commentary on something, or just make it a fun like. Monsters fighting, but we didn't really even get that. Yeah, we, we got. I, I, I had. There were some cool moments there, but a lot of this was just like, I, I don't know, just boring humans. Honestly, just give seeing, me like, give me a movie where it's just like the perspective of Godzilla just walking around, no dialogue, just fucking <laughs> beating monsters up for an hour and a half, and then sometimes show like humans running around, seeing like some other perspective, just ripping monsters in half. I'm sold. That's it. That's all I need. But that's just me. Long live yeah. the king. Long live the king. Some art house Long shit. Long live the king. Some of the dialogue from Jimbo to <laughs> uh, Ken Watanabe's character was just like, did somebody like, people don't talk like this. Yeah. Like when Ken, Wat- Ken has the, um, uh, the watch out and he makes a joke and then Jimbo says something about like how his son would like ask him that question. And then he says something like, you told me five years ago. And then they, he says something and it's just like, I don't, who's, who talks like this? Listen, they said it was Snoke who turned our son. Snoke. They it's said like, five years ago, one. so many times in that, so many times in that movie. Like that was just like the one thing I noticed. They're like five years ago. We, five your wife years is being ago. kidnapped. Uh, we need you to help get the orca back. Now, hold on. She and I developed the prototype of that. It was meant as a grad project to do you sonar something with like whales blah 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 and then he just like explains the device I feel the beginning of that movie just too much it's too much like dumping of stuff yeah it's it, like oh my god to complain that more about the, the Ken character I feel like he Wait, was he? he was the Japanese scientist ah that's we... right that's right I feel like it, it it irritated me how he was like the the old Asian wise guy yeah, with, you know, just way. like passing on these pearls of wisdom to like this really distraught man over his family, and I just like that was really. There's a really tone really deaf part right before he sacrifices himself, where he he says like some introspective shit, and then he's like, he make they make a joke where he's like write it on a fortune cookie, and it's like yeah, what the fuck is going on a here? Really long like, this is just cookie. damn. What the, <laughs> how did this get in the script? We're at the bottom of the sea. It's just like. 
Like, he, he played pretty much the same character in the 2014 Godzilla movie. And for me, the vibe has always been, oh, they're, okay, the Japanese guy knows all about Godzilla because Godzilla's a Japanese thing. Yeah. And he's just kind of here for that, I, I guess. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, when he died, I was just thinking, like, I would have much rather, like, had a film about this guy. Same. Like, I, I, yeah. just, I just felt like there was more... Well, I don't know. I just was more interested in him. I was more interested in Charles Dance's character. I was more interested in the not main characters. Yeah, the 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 characters who are, don't make up the white nuclear family. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I would I, I would have liked it a I lot better if there was a lot less characters, a lot less characters. Yeah, there were way too many. And like, there were the Marines, and some of them like were supposed to like identify. And it's like, we've got too much going on right now. I was just bored out of my mind in this movie. It was so bad. There were, like, I don't understand what they're doing with, like, these movies. Like, have you seen Skull Island? Yeah. I haven't. I haven't. I like, you like Skull, Skull Island. Island? I like I, Skull Island. I just saw it today, and I was really pleasantly surprised. Wait, Skull Island, I like, like, it's got characters that are fun. It does, yeah. It has that mo- whole movie is fun. It, yeah, it has monsters. We get to see them, but it's not like all about them. It's got fun human characters. The monsters are cool. The action's like really neat for a movie about like King Kong. Oh shit! It why has on a earth cast? Why on earth? Like, I thought this movie would be more like that, but instead yeah. it feels like it's really a step down. It feels like somebody. Wrote something based on Godzilla 2014, but didn't take I into account. Forgot about Skull. Didn't yeah, watch Skull Island. It, yeah, it feels like they didn't watch Skull Island because, yeah, at the post credits, it, it like shows that like wall, that cave painting or wall art yeah. of King Kong fighting Godzilla, and it's like, oh, this will be so cool if they do it right. And it's like, how on earth? It's a, it's giant creatures fighting. It should be fun, but I was falling asleep during this movie, like. I, I don't know. I, I hope it'll be I hope it'll be better because I will go see it because I'm a sucker for Godzilla in general. But yeah, please be good. Please. I want to watch Kong Skull Island. now. I'm looking at like, yeah, please watch Skull it's, Island. It's good. It's I so like good. It. It's, I, I, I liked it a lot. I'd say out of all this like new monster cinematic universe thing, it's the best movie. <laughs> Dude, by far. It has Samuel Jackson, John Goodman, and John C. Riley. Yeah, it's good. And Brie Larson. It's, and, it's, a, it's a cool And Tom film. Hiddleston? Oh, what? Brie Larson? Never mind. I, as a, as a male nerd, oh. I'm angry now. <laughs> no way. It's got John Ortiz in it. I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> You're gonna I don't know who that is. Going, oh, no way. Oh, sh- oh. John C. Riley is also really funny in that movie. Yeah. Hey, that's Holmes something. That Watson. movie has humor that movie has great humor oh man i can imagine fucking J- samuel jackson and john c Riley alone like holy fuck i don't I know. know why i haven't seen that movie bad day to be a red Sox fan i hope he- all right here's what uh a, a, a couple movies from now we're going to see charles dance build mecha godzilla we're going to see mecha godzilla piloted by charles dance and the eco terrorists fighting godzilla this is a valid theory because they show that he's like after like after the action he's like joining this sort of black market where they're collecting like monster parts. Yeah, it's like, hey man, I, I I'd be down for some schlock like that. Hell yeah, we spent like thirty minutes talking about Godzilla. Should we talk about Death Stranding? Uh, yeah, I, I, I guess so. Yeah, I'm gonna lose brain cells if we keep talking about it. I think the the things from Godzilla I will take away were all the 
nods to other Godzilla movies. Uh, like the twins was like unexpected for me. And I guess for most other people too, because it's like hard to tell that they're twins. I think it's, this is so funny that this is one of your biggest takeaways from the movie. Cause I didn't even see this happen. Yeah, no, it's for me. That was one of the <laughs> things where I went, Oh cool. But that's because I like like all these monsters. I'm like, yay, Mothra. Dude, Mothra's cool um, though. And I will really like, Oh no, he's going to go thermonuclear. What does that mean? He's going to make it a bad day to be a Red Sox fan. I think that's just great writing. I really love that. When I ask a serious question, I want people to respond with something like that. I think that's, that's great. That's just a great moment, and I'll never forget it. Hey, uh, Will, so can you explain to me how uh, thermonuclear power works? You get really, really charged up, and you shoot a beam. <laughs> so remember... Out of your mouth? Remember, uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, remember when uh, in Godzilla 2014 they show footage of like they nuked Godzilla a lot but I guess the nukes they used there weren't good enough for him because he apparently I guess didn't go thermonuclear then thermonuclear then sorry I keep saying nuclear yeah I don't know he didn't go thermonuclear then so I don't know I guess maybe Ken's watch was just you know loaded with radioactive (laughs) material and that's what Godzilla needed to make it a bad day to be a Red Sox fan well, the watch was destroyed <laughs> at Hiroshima. Oh, huh? shit. That's a line in the 2014 Godzilla. That's right. It's really out of place. Wait, like... whoa, whoa, whoa. How do we know this guy's Japanese? Oh, Hiroshima. <laughs> Write that in. <laughs> Write that in. I, I could talk about this movie forever, but, you know, yeah, we gotta... I, I really like the... Uh, so it was a really cheesy scene, but I really like the scene where Godzilla, like, kills what's-its-face and all the monsters come over and, like bow to him oh yeah like as cheesy as it was i I was still like okay it's kind of cool because we get to see we never never got to see the 17 monsters that they said there were i was hoping to see king kong but no no he ain't how how he would get off skull island yeah that that, at the same time he's pretty pretty small in comparison i don't know how he would get across the ocean dude he could just walk he's a big boy a big monkey Hell yeah, so Kojima. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Hideo Kojima's latest game, Death Stranding. Some got good stuff. <laughs> release date trailer, and it had no answers, more questions, uh, and that's the way I like it. It gave me really, the trailer gave me really weird dreams, because of like all the babies <gasps> and the doll heads. <laughs> oh, yeah. They were just in my dreams last night. It was very creepy. I think it looks really fucking cool. Because I have no idea what it is, but I think it looks really cool. <laughs> I, yeah, I like the fact that... I think that's that why. I, I know nothing about it, and I, I kind of have some ideas, but they're probably all wrong. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I, it just looks it looks really neat. The cast I like the neat. bits of trivia that Kojima keeps tweeting out. Like, originally, Mads Mikkelsen's character wasn't a smoker, but then, during a filming break, I saw him smoking, so I wrote it in. Well, oh, gene- visionary. I, I had talked with Travis about this, but Lindsay Wagner uh, is in this game. Um, she was like the bionic woman from like the 1970s. And I was thinking like, why was she in this game and de-aged to like when she was in that TV show? And I think it's because Hideo Kojima as a young boy in the 70s of Japan saw bionic woman and really like liked that show. So once he got older, decided like, I'm going to I'm going to put her in a game. 
Dude, he has you know that, that power. What this whole game is though, isn't it just like Hideo Kojima saw some actors like them and was like, put them I, in. Yeah, and then like I watched that trailer again and I realized that Lindsay Wagner is playing two characters. Oh, she's playing that uh, woman in red, Amelie, whose like eyes were bleeding at one point. But she also plays the old lady who is president of like the United States or whatever. Or the United Cities. Yeah, yeah, the United Cities of America. And it's like, oh, wait a minute. Well, because now I'm curious, like, so is the woman in red? Like, what does she have to do with the president of this? Like, just a lot of questions, no answers. But it's like, oh, this is this is odd. And also, the thing I found really intriguing is it's like the game's premise seems to, like, stray you away from trying to killing, trying to kill people. So, because um, the whole situation with, like, when you die, you don't actually die. You go to, like, that alternate dimension or whatever. And... Oh, yeah. I guess, like, when you kill people, that means, like, that alternate dimension is going to be more full of people. Like, enemies. So, like, the more people yeah. you kill, um, the more that, full that situation There was something is. like that in Metal Gear Solid 3. There was a boss where it would be harder if you had killed people. Which was like a neat little thing. So I'd be interested to see how that plays out. Um, I liked many of the character names. Uh, uh, Leah Sudo is Fragile or Fragile, whichever. Uh, Lindsay Wagner is Amelie. And then there's Cliff and Sam. And then there's like these other characters. Guillermo del Toro is Dead Man. Um, this there's like three male characters who are all like Metal Gear names. It's like Dead Man, Heart Man, and uh, Die Hard Man. Was that his name? Yeah. Okay. Because I remember in like a Metal Gear Solid like Peace Walker, there's a character named Hot Cold Man, <laughs> and I was just thinking like, like what is it with Kojima? And like he puts all this work into all these other things, but then when it comes to naming characters, he's just like. Ah, oh, hot cold man. Yes, very cool. It's very odd names. I, I I like the I like the way he names things. Hot cold man. Hot cold man. <laughs> oh man. Gameplay. Um, mostly we've seen you know walking around in pretty scenery. Yeah, I'm glad um, they showed gameplay. Yeah, I'm I'm cool. I would be cool with the game if it was just walking from one point of the country to the other with like traversal. I think that'd be fun. And a baby. Um, yeah, but there's like a motorbike. There's parts where you have to hook up to the bridge baby. And then parts where he gets sucked to other realm. I, I don't know. Do you think that Kojima just like saw Norman Reedus in The Walking Dead on a motorcycle and was like, Yes. I like this. Yes. Yeah. 100%. It has to be that. I, I like love the idea of that where he just sees something on TV. He's like, I'm going to put them in a game. And then it just happens. That's like the guy who plays Hartman is a, I think a Danish director who directed Drive and The Neon Demon. And I think a few years back, Hideo Kojima was at like a was at the Neon D Demon's premiere, and it was just like, oh, he went there and he was talking to this guy like, I want you to be in my video game, even though you're a, dir a director. I want you in my game. It's just like, man, like. Is this Ko Kojima's Avengers? Just like random people he sees on movies and he's like, oh, yes, I like this. Yeah, I know a lot of people have been saying like, uh, we got the we got like the full trailer finally and it's still just as confusing. I thought it was pretty straightforward, though. Like, 
I I now know what the game like looks and plays like, mm-hmm. which is kind of the main thing that all the cinematic trailers had been missing. Um, cause like, cause like up until now, they what he released what like a new trailer every E three for like the past three or four years. Yeah. Um, and now like now I now I know how this game plays and like I kind of have a vague idea about like menus and abilities and then their website even explains a little bit further than the trailer um, about the concept of the upside down world or something and the bridge babies and how you connect to the (laughs) they they also define BT oh do they yeah they say they call them because throughout the trailer they say oh I wouldn't want to mess with BT's uh, I, I don't know what that is. But on the website, I think they refer to them as beached things. Oh, yes, the terrifying beached things. Which is interesting because the first teaser we got of Death Stranding was on a beach with a lot of dead ocean life. Yeah. And I was like, oh, is, I, I, I still don't know how any what anything connect, how anything connects. Right. There, there's lines like, oh, apparently the United States is not a thing anymore. It's the United Cities. When Sam tells the president, you're the president of jack shit, he says like, at the end of the trailer, um, connecting the world in cable won't change anything. Don't be surprised if something... And there are scenes in the trailer where you see cables going from the ground up into the sky. Mm-hmm. Also, the president's like hospital bed has cables not running along the floor, but going straight to the ceiling. There's just... I don't know. I don't know anything about what these cables are. I don't understand. I'm not... I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, On Twitter, I, he says... Uh... This is a brand new action game with the concept of connection, Strand. I call it Social Strand System, or simply Strand Game. Do you think Kojima, like, hosts company meetings and everybody in the room just, like, looks around at one another, hoping that, like, everyone else is just as confused as they are? I mean, that's kind of what happens in the -the behind-the-scenes footage of George Lucas in the (gasps) Phantom Menace documentary, so I can see that being a thing i like to kojima i like to imagine like him going into the room of the meeting and just literally the meeting consists of him saying five words and then that's it that's all i give him he's just that cryptic like he will go to meetings strand game movie experience he gets up and leaves (laughs) and they're like what does this mean they're like writing down notes what does this mean what does this mean what does this mean i want this game to have the world connected the players connected like by cable gets up and leaves what the fuck I, just be vague <laughs> with writing it just say the world's connected with cable <laughs> yeah uh, i guess on the strand concept i i guess the physical uh, manifestation of that is this idea of being able to vaguely interact with other players uh, kind of in a way that Dark Souls does, where, like, you don't really directly interact with them, but you can see traces of them, and you can, like... I guess in this game, you can leave supplies for other people. That was kind of the only tangible thing I got out of the description. I, I would hope that there's more to it than just that. Do we know what homo demons are? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> I was really confused. They want to guarantee the independence of Edge Not City. Who are these guys again? Homo demons. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Hold on. What do you mean? What, what is a homo demon? Wow. Oh, no. Are they just gay demons? Uh, hey. I hope so. That'd be sick. That'd be cool. What, uh, if I, to enjoy Death Stranding this fall, what Kojima games do I need to, to catch up on to, to get in the right headspace? Probably just play the Metal Gear Solids. Only Metal, Metal Gear Solid Revengeance. That's it. 
I would disagree. <laughs> I, I, I don't like Revenge. Revengeance is a very good game. It's a t- I think it's a terrible Metal Gear, but it's a great game. But I think you should play Metal Gear Solid 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Okay. I think. I, I mean, if you want, you could also. Yeah, that is. Um, Metal Gear Solid 1 is not that long. 2, I don't think 2 is that long either. 3 would probably take a while. 4, you can only play if you've got a PS3. And that or, game is mostly cutscenes. I think you, you know, you can skip Metal Gear Solid 4. <laughs> okay. Um, Metal Gear Solid 5, I think l- there's a lot of things visually that look similar to Death Stranding. And that was his last game he worked on. Are these games really cutscene heavy? Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Five, not like so that. much. No. Four is like, it was like an old joke that it was mostly cutscenes, but there, there's a lot of truth to that joke. Four is just like a slog. I still have to play through the first couple Metal Gear Solid games. I'm playing, I'm playing two right now for some reason. I should probably gonna go back and play one, and then play the. I just don't like cutscenes. You like cutscenes? I do like cutscenes, but <laughs> cut if they're scene, good. Cutscenes are when you take out your phone for a few minutes. <laughs> See, here's the, here's it's the like, problem. I'm it's playing like, a game, and then suddenly the game stops, and I I have to watch a, vi- a video. So uh, hmm, this is what the, I, I don't I don't for. know if you should play a Kojima game though, because that's like <laughs> he's always been big on like like Metal Gear Solid for the PS One was big because like it brought like a new movie like experience to like games because that was a thing mm. that games like didn't really have, and at the time that was like really really cool, and then. Metal Gear Solid 2 has like a weird sort of commentary on like memes and the internet and like I'm sorry what like early 2000s like like things like memes like not like memes today but like what what you might have thought of as memes in like 2002 or something memes from 2002 are like I can has cheeseburger (laughs) no that was like 2000 that was like 2010 or something he's, he's doing stuff on like connection and like the interconnectivity of the world is like the okay. big thing in Metal Gear Solid 2. Whether or not he really hits that, I don't know. I think with Metal Gear, there's like, there's a big element of like Japanese schlock with his games. That like, if you like that, uh, you'll probably like his games. I love that stuff. So his games have a lot of that. I think Metal Gear Solid 3, if you only want to play one Metal Gear, is probably the one to play. It is pretty much a standalone game. Set in the 1960s, it's like like a spy kind of adventure. Hmm. It's pretty standalone, and I think that's it's probably one of the best Metal Gears. That's why I wanted to re- play them so bad, because like I didn't understand the time jumps at all. Yeah, because there's Metal Gear Solid One, and then Metal Gear Solid Two takes place like a bit after that, with like a bunch of absurd characters, like Solid Snake, Liquid Snake, Solidus Snake, and it's like this is what are these names? And then Metal Gear Solid Sonic characters. Metal Gear Solid Three then goes back in time. You play a guy who looks like Snake, but he's not Snake. He's the older Snake. He's Big Boss, who's called Naked Snake. I don't know why. Then Metal Gear Solid Four goes into the future of like 2014, and then you play as Solid Snake again, but now he's like in his 70s for some reason. Then you find out why, and it's just like, what are these games? They're very confusing. But if if you like, I don't know. I. I if you play Metal Gear Solid 1 and like that, I think you'll like the rest of the Metal Gear. Well, I'll play Death Stranding because I want to know... Uh, what the heck is going on? No, not even that so much. I just want to know if it'll live up to these expectations that people seem to... People people seem to have uh, really high expectations for Kojima stuff, especially since, like... 
I don't know. Everyone really wanted that Silent Hills game, and it got canceled. And then there's just been so much anticipation for Death Stranding. Yeah, but then here, but see, here's another thing. Like, if you don't like Kojima stuff, this game probably won't live up. Well, for I'm you. pretty unfamiliar with Kojima stuff. Okay, I'm, I've just been like, I'm very aware of the community of Kojima and what people think of Kojima. Um, so I've just been kind of looking at it from that angle. But I have, I haven't dipped my toes in a Metal Gear game really. Um, I had one on GameCube, but I barely played it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm personally very unfamiliar with Kojima, but I'm, I'm more than familiar with, uh, kind of just like the social media, uh, bubble around Kojima and the way people really seem to worship his stuff. Mm hmm. 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 Maybe we should take a break. Hell yeah. We're Sounds going to. We're going to take a break, ladies and gentlemen and folks. We're going to. <sighs> yep. Well, we're going to talk about Modern Warfare when we come back. Which Modern <laughs> Warfare? That we'll, we'll, we'll answer when we come back. <laughs> and we're back. Tell us, Travis, about Pokemon. Okay, I don't know much because they didn't really say much. And I also missed the Pokemon like stream or whatever. So I just kind of read about it. Um, but I don't really want the Pokemon to watch me sleep. Uh, I don't, they, there's not a lot about what Pokemon sleep is other than it's like a sleep tracker and it's Pokemon branded. And I think the implication was it has some sort of uh, integration with Pokemon Go, which I. Uh, there was a period of time where I played a little bit of Pokemon Go, but I don't know. I I, I live in a desert now, so like I'm not going to go hunting for Pokemon in the desert and get heat stroke and pass out because I was trying to get like a shiny ditto or something. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I don't I I don't know. It's, I've, I've never really been uh, a person who used like health fitness tracking stuff. And part of that is because I know that they that companies sell that data and do scummy things with it um and like there's been cases of like health tracking data being sold to like insurance companies and stuff so like that's spooky stuff and i don't want the pokemon to watch me sleep was my main takeaway from <laughs> the announcement that they're doing pokemon sleep and also Weird. pokemon is like a kid's thing like now they're just trying to trick kids into using sleep trackers i feel like that's a really good point of just like how companies use like children's like innocence and like they're them just being naive about things to like get them to get their data well, yeah, i mean now now we're i feel like now especially we're at a point where like younger and younger kids have uh, devices like connected devices which is not inherently a bad thing um but people our companies i guess are seem to be very aware of of that and are more than open to the exploitation of just of children, children who don't know any better. Yeah. And just sort of like the gamification of their lives where they can turn everything into like microtransactions and ad revenue. Yeah. If Pokemon Sleep has like has like sleep boosters you can buy, like <laughs> man, I don't know. I don't like this. Like this is I don't what kind of black mirror shit have hey, we gotten me, into? Ash Ketchup. Point? Don't forget to spend five ninety nine on the lullaby DLC. And are the Pokemon gonna make noises? What's like what is this? 
Wake up in the middle of the night to the sound of like a growlith and just like scared. A Mr. Mime watching oh, no. you sleep. Oh my god. There were a lot of like video game announcements this week and the Pokemon sleep I think was the worst one by far. Um, But I'll tell you something that's I don't even know how to start this Call of Duty thing. Bravo 6. <laughs> I don't know that anyone what the fuck am I gonna say? knows what's uh, going on here with Call of Duty. Speaking of sleep uh, Bravo 6 is going dark. Uh, back in I, Modern Warfare. Bring back Bravo 6, guys. Remember them? Right. Call of Duty Modern Warfare. The fourth Call of Duty that got three sequels of its own, then got rebooted. I mean, pardon me, remade. Oh, two, two sequels. Oh, that's right. For a total of three games. Got two sequels that yeah. were not sequential. And it got a remake. And it's now getting a reboot. Oh, you mean a remaster? It got a remaster. Yeah. Well, I'd yeah. say a remake. Well, it was a remake. It, no, it, it is was a not remake. a remaster. Yeah, they completely changed the yeah, engine it's like and not everything. Not the same at all visually. Yeah. Like replace all elements. So yeah, oh, it would okay. be a remake. Um, okay. And a re- and now it's getting a reboot. Um, What's the difference it, the- between a reboot and a remake? <laughs> And a remaster. Uh, a so reboot a remaster... is restarting the franchise essentially, and a remake is what, just. Give it. What's an example of a reboot? Uh, let's see. Um, fucking James Gunn. James Gunn. The Mummy. Okay. Oh yeah. Uh, the Mummy. I was thinking of Suicide Squad because I think it's really funny how they're rebooting oh, yeah, now it. It's getting like another. Yeah. <laughs> a re uh, a remaster would be like taking the original of something and just like cleaning it up. Hmm. And like a higher resolution or higher quality sound because you got access but they, to like but the But they sold the the Call of Duty 4 remake as Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered. Yeah. That's why I was just going along calling it a remaster. And, and yeah, things have done that before. But as far as assets go, there's nothing that's original. Right. It has right. been remade from the ground up. Mm. But then again, calling it Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remake does not sound as good as Remastered. In my opinion, I think remastered sounds a lot better. Same with Dark Souls. Oh remastered. yeah, definitely. Yeah, like Dark Souls remastered is a good example of a remaster. There's all there's yeah like, because it's, it's just been like touched up a bit. Yeah, it's just been touched up and tweaked, and instead of being remade from the ground up, which a lot of people thought it would be, because a lot of people thought like remaster would be it would mean it would be a remake, but it would be marketed as like remaster. But yeah, so remaster is just like the original cleaned up remake is the original uh, something built up to be exactly like the original. And then a reboot is just well, very little connection, but maybe some of the ideas are there. Well, why don't I just and, call it something else? Like, I feel like the fact that it's modern warfare again is very confusing. I yeah, th- I, I think what's going on is um, we're what now, like nine or ten years out from original modern warfare. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know. 2007. Um, but, oh, wow. That's Twelve years. Oh, wow. Okay. So I I think the idea, see, the idea with original Modern Warfare was to kind of add in some like thought and commentary on kind of the like the the forever war was was like the conflict that was going on at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, like um, with the Call of Duty franchise in that, that's the fourth installment of Call of Duty. And the first three were just World War II games, and right. They and wanted so they to... wanted to take it in. They wanted to take it into uh, modern times, hence modern warfare. And 
like it had a lot of it, it see modern warfare had an interesting mission called death from above oh yeah where you mm -hmm. are f you're on AC like a chopper and you have this uh you have like the view of like a like a I don't know my military terms, like a scope or something, and you're just kind of like firing rockets and uh, strafing machine gun fire at enemies on the ground, and it's a really interesting mission because it's just kind of quiet, and you get the hum of of the of the aircraft that you're in, and you get a lot of radio chatter of soldiers going like, "Yeah, we got that guy," and it's just like you're just like mowing down all of these insurgent people who were like supposed to be the bad guys and stuff, but you're kind of, I don't know. It's just, it, it, I, they said that they're trying to take some of these original themes from modern warfare and kind of recreate them in a more, even more modern, modern warfare. If that makes any sense, which it doesn't really. I'm wondering also but if they will. I feel they, like will... they can still do all of that and then just like give it a new name. Like, like I, yeah. Yeah, oh, they it, could, but they it, but they want did. people to associate the brand. They yeah, want people, and yeah. Oh, we're going like to do the Modern Warfare it's like, stuff again. It's like the Call of Duty that like everybody fondly remembers, the Modern Warfare series. I think and Modern then, Warfare 3 sold like, uh, was like their best-selling Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah that game sale sold like crazy. I think it sold like, was it like, I don't, this might be wrong, it probably is, but like 300 million copies. Doesn't every Call of Duty game so sell like crazy, though? Yeah, but specifically the Modern Warfare franchise I, also, uh, really I think well. not so much sales but i think it's just the legacy of the modern warfare games like nobody says you're never going to meet somebody who says man i miss the days of call of duty ghosts yeah exactly <laughs> nobody mm -hmm. says man dude advanced warfare that was a game i've i've never heard that from anybody but Whoa, i do hi, people... i've said that i've said that maybe Damn. i'm the only one all right you, we got one person <laughs> here they should reboot that um but i've heard lots of people like fondly remember modern warfare and oh, i yeah. wonder like, like Travis said, like they'll bring back a lot of those themes that Modern Warfare had and, and commentary on those things. And I wonder if this reboot will will end up getting sequels of its own. So then we'll have a rebooted Modern Warfare 2. And I yeah, wonder when we started talking about the technical terms. I, I almost wanted to jump in and ask, like, doesn't reboot that term kind of have a connotation of of like kickstarting a new series? That That's what I was thinking. It, it's and sort of like I feel like. It gave me the idea of like that they're gonna go back to specifically modern warfare, uh, the first one, and kind of like tweak the story of it or something because it still yeah. has the main characters like Captain Price and Soap and all yeah. these other characters, which is gonna be interesting. Did anyone did anyone get a chance to? So we saw the trailer, yeah. yeah. But outside of the trailer, did anyone get a chance to read kind of the summaries of what the what journalists were shown because they yeah. were shown two levels? Well. Yeah. Uh, I guess you could play as different sort of factions like the Freedom Fighters and also Bravo 6 and also like so-and-so stuff like that. So there's going to be like different perspectives given during this story that they're telling and stuff. Which One is... thing I wonder is if this reboot does kick off sequels, will it stay more grounded than Modern Warfare 2 and Modern Warfare 3 went? I don't know. There's a huge difference between Modern Warfare 1 and 3. Oh, yeah. The set pieces are like absurd. It's crazy. It well, becomes, even two. Yeah, it's modern warfare, but it's like pop. It's like crazy escalated. But World it seems War III. for this one, maybe they'll go more grounded a little. I feel like the scale of modern warfare 2 is like ideal, honestly, though. Because. Yeah, I think 3 just went like. World two. War 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the Russians invaded every country in Europe in like a day. I don't know how. 
Well, I think there were like, um, well, I mean, there's no real way to actually explain that, but um, I don't know what didn't have something to do with like they were just like throwing like mustard gas and shit like chemical warfare. Like apparently they blitz. Oh yeah, they do introduce like, chemical warfare. It gave you like the perspective of like a little girl in the first scene or something, and then like yes. everybody was getting like killed in the streets or something. I was just, I mean, that was like there was some cool set pieces and stuff in Marvel for three, but I feel like. It was just like to the point of like kind of like cinematic action kind of for the sake of that rather than um, the interesting things they did with the first two games. Yeah, like Modern Warfare 1 when the um, All top, when nuke goes off. That was just like to me at the time playing it was like unexpected and it was such a huge moment. Yeah, and, like, that, that was that cool. Is dead like those those they're all dead. All feel everybody's dead in that city. And then I feel like after that, they just kept going, oh, we got to one-up it. And then it, it went from being impactful, unimpactful moment yeah, to which, just kind of being like... Yeah, which shouldn't have been the takeaway from that. It shouldn't yeah. have been like, the nuke was cool. How, how much cool... Because it's not presented as a cool event. No, yeah. It's just like... Yeah. It, 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 and then, yeah, because after the nuke goes off, you get that like short level where you just play this guy who survived the helicopter crash. You crawl around and then you die. Yeah. Like, th- there's something about that that's just immensely impactful and then after okay, that, well, that kinda... that's the thing though see i feel like these games over the series they have these interesting levels and moments mm-hmm. like the girl in the city before it gets gassed or the guy crawling around in the helicopter or outside the helicopter after it crashes or the death from above mission but the like the meat of the game isn't those moments it's just kind of let's do some cool gun action but yeah. in between the gun action let's see if we can like sp- like sprinkle in some commentary on the horrors of war yeah it's kind of just like a hollywood action movie in that sense where it's like i get what you're saying but at the same time it's like it's always been i feel like a failed balancing act Mm -hmm. but it's just like it's it's really distilled when you're just kind of running around mowing people down oh just just remember modern warfare 2's uh very very controversial mission um in the terminal with the airport russian or no russian like, just that scene alone, like, I'm, I'm glad that was in the game, like, as controversial as it was and stuff, but, like, um, that made it really interesting to see how the story was going to pan out, especially, like, just the whole, like, super deep undercover um, inside this whole Russian investigation and just, like, having to do that and just, like, kind of the events that unfold afterwards and stuff. Like, I, I thought that was really, really interesting how they did that. And then... Like, when Modern Warfare 3 came around, you know, it was just like, oh, no, uh, Russians are taking over the world, like you said now. So it's like... Speaking of... Oh, sorry. Yeah, keep going. Well, it was just like, it kind of, like, demeaned that whole, like, um, what the fuck are the Russians going to do in um, Modern Warfare 2 rather than... Or 2, like, oh, they're taking over the world. So, like, you know, there's no, like, cool undercover missions. There's no anything like that. Like, I guess it's kind of cool with, like, the... The scale and stuff but i don't know lost the charm a little bit to me i'm speaking of the russians i reading that like polygon article about what was shown off to journalists part of me was very uh, like disappointed that we're gonna get another thing of just like the, the freedom fighters are fighting like evil russians mm-hmm. i want to oh, yeah. know like what they like what the game developers and the people who are like writing the story like how they view their work as like propaganda 
like is that a thing a thing that like crosses their mind is that a thing that like players are aware of that like oh the the bad guys are all russians yeah like the original one it's like you're fighting the evil arabs um and you're fighting like well you fight alongside okay russians against the evil russians and then you know (laughs) the russians get ramped up to like 12 billion to the point where they're invading the whole world like Modern Warfare 2, I remember that had some controversy, I believe, because there's you, you, there are parts where you're shooting American soldiers. Yeah. Because, but it's like, but those it guys corrupt. are, but yeah, they're the bad guys. But, you know, it's part of that whole, like, it's okay to shoot Arabs and Russians. Whoa, whoa, bad Americans, but they're soldiers. I don't think so. You can't do that. Yeah. And, and like, like that, there was the two controversies in that game, which was killing literally innocent civilians at an airport mm-hmm. and then also killing american soldiers but that's what made modern warfare 2 interesting it like changed it up it's like oh shit like the bad guys aren't actually just the russians it's also the people that you're you know think like i remember playing modern warfare 2 i was a little bit i was younger playing that game obviously but um i just remember the whole situation like when you know uh shepherd takes ghost fucking puts a bullet in his head gasoline on both of you guys and just like that whole like uh just corruption within it and just that whole situation. It was really cool and like, uh, it was a good twist. I don't know that that's trying to make like commentary on actual politics. I feel like that's more of like kind of Hollywood type screenwriting for the sake of a plot twist. Mm hmm. Because that's, I mean, there's not really a good pl- parallel to that in real life. Like, well, I mean, we didn't say it was commentary, but yeah, it's just kind of like these evil like dudes. I, I just, I hope. I kind of hoped that, like, from reading that article on the Modern Warfare reboot, that, like, oh, there's, like, the, the Freedom Fighter characters who think that, like, the Americans had done something. I had kind of hoped that it would be, like, the civilian perspective of, like, the American conflict in the Middle East. That'd be cool. Because mm-hmm. that would be, you know, I mean, that's a very real thing. But, but instead, Duty has like, never done anything in that vein. That's true. And instead, we just get, like, the Russians did it. And it's, like... That would make sense if this was set in, like, Afghanistan in the 80s, but it's not. It's set in, like, I don't know. It just It's just, oh, we're going to be gritty and realistic, but then the Russians are still the bad guys. Just some, why is it always the Russians? It just seems like yeah. this, like, you know, rehashing the Cold War, like, 20 times. Yeah, and it's well, like... Well, on, on what Rebecca was asking about, like, what they what they think about it, I thought that the... The, the piece by uh, written by Austin Walker is really interesting because he kind of focuses on the different parts of the presentation they were shown mm-hmm. and how like in, in one one part they were shown a couple of different scenes they were sh- uh, to, to kind of get them to, uh, familiar with the story. So they're shown like a scene where some sort of special forces, they're like using night vision and they're going through this building kind of methodically taking out people who like you're not sure if they're bad. And so you kind of get like uneasy while you're watching them kind of like shoot people who may or may not be reaching for a gun or whatever. And it's like really gripping footage to watch because it has like the night vision filter over it and it looks almost photo real. Um, mm-hmm. There's some of that in the trailer. That was, that's where I'm kind of getting that because like I, those couple scenes in the trailer that are night vision are like, wow, this looks like, I don't know shit you'd see on like live leaks or something like that. I had read up on like the, like they're using a new engine for this game and like reading yeah. about it. Like the new technology is like, it sounds really interesting. Like items are all being scanned in from the real world. They're given like realistic yeah. properties and they render the game world 
th from visible light and like slightly beyond the visible light spectrum. So when you go Didn't into they make night a vision, point to talk about ray tracing a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be something with that, like for lighting and like ray tracing. I mean, um, the night vision now, it's not just like a filter. It's actually like now it'll show you a separate oh, that's cool. spectrum of light that is being rendered. Yeah. And you can see the light from the night vision goggles being projected out. And it's like there's a lot of technical work here. I mean, this is kind of very separate from the idea of the reboot and so on, like we've been talking about. But I was just very fascinated by the new technology. Yeah, I have a bad connection for a second. I don't oh. I don't know if you guys can Come still back hear to me. Us. Oh yeah, we can hear you. Yeah. Um, but just to, I had to connect my my thought there. Um, and the like the back other part of the trending. presentation was kind of the technical side, where mm -hmm. they were showing off the like gun sound effects and the acoustics and talking about the ray tracing with the gun sound effects. So they would like they would show a guy shoot a gun at one on one part of like a London street for some reason and listen to how it sounded there. And then they would move to like fire the gun off right next to a car and be like, now listen to listen how it sounds different right here. And he felt like he was getting mixed messages between like the different parts of the presentation where the people who focused on the story were talking about like the aspects of, of commentary on modern warfare and, and commentary on, the military and the middle east and then the other part of the presentation which was like guns are cool as in he felt like different groups of people working on the game maybe had some sort of disconnect mm -hmm. well they like took away like different because um, i mean like a game obviously is made up is made by many many different groups mm -hmm. of people all working on different aspects of it and so it seems more than reasonable that there might be some some awkward disconnect between different departments especially when you've got departments like working on writing out the story and how and like the themes of modern warfare and at the same time you've got people working on like making the best gun sound or making a scene where a civilian gets shot look really cool or impactful. yeah making sure the guns feel cool yeah so you've got like the all these different it groups are, are trying to, to to talk about the horrors of war meanwhile you're trying to make the guns feel cool i wonder what <laughs> How they do that, like how they make guns feel cool. And how that differs from just like using a gun in real life. I mean, I in games, it like, just makes them like. They just feel different, like having impactful sound design, I think, is like a big thing, because uh -huh. yeah, some games have like really tinny sounding guns and it's like, this is boring. Yeah, but if they're really impactful, there's also that sense of like, holy shit, like a weapon is going off. Yeah, I, there's one very specific part of the trailer that I find striking just in terms of how sound design has evolved over the years. Like, I, like playing the new uh, rebooted Star Wars Battlefront sounds like, I don't know, there, there's like a, it was a bit ahead of its time, I think. Now most games are like this, but at the time it was like the sound effects are so punchy and visceral mm -hmm. in that game. I just felt very immersed and seemed like sound design had taken a dramatic turn. Um, but going back to the trailer, there's a... There's a shot where a guy stands on the hood of a car and fires into the oh, windshield. Yeah, I'm, I'm and aside from like the like that 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 visual is kind of horrific already, but because I, I don't have context, I don't know what's going on there. But it also has I, I feel like the sound effect in that scene was really striking to me. It sounded very muffled and realistic. Like if you've ever seen like I, I don't know like like video that has actual guns going off in it or near it that's kind of actually what they sound like as opposed to like 
kind of the sound effects you get in original Modern Warfare that are that are more. I don't know. They they just have like a like a cheaper sound, like you're playing out a wave file or something, <laughs> as opposed to kind of the the modern effects we're able to get where now with things like ray tracing and environmental interaction. A thing in Modern Warfare, the original, um, that I always thought was kind of interesting was there's a scene where you play as like an ousted president of some unnamed Middle Eastern country. Is that oh, the first yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like the f- first or second. First or, or some- second. Somewhere in there and you get uh, executed. That's the first one. Um, That's the first by, one. Okay, yeah, uh, you get executed. But there's crowds of people cheering. But then later the U.S. Army like invades. I, I was... I. It's been so long since I played, but I always was was always interested in like the idea that this unpo- this guy that the United States and other countries is after is like very evidently like popular in this country when he executes the former leader. Oh, but then I don't remember that playing into anything else. It, it, it's been a while, so I I should just leave it there. But I just remember I always thought maybe they could have done something with that because then the United States shows up in the country invading just like on a whim. It didn't um, wasn't the guy that executed him uh what was it Reznov, right? No, Reznov's from Black Ops. I think it was Imran Zakayev or something. No, 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 Makarov. Oh. Yeah, the guy that you shoot his arm off. You shoot his remember with the 50 cal mission? You shoot his arm off in uh Isn't Black Ops in the same continuity as Modern Warfare? No, they're completely no. separate. Really? No, it's it's not Mac you don't shoot Makarov's arm off. Uh shoot. What it's, is I'm his dead name? certain it's Imran it's Zakayev or something. Ooh, I need to figure this out right now because remember the all gillied up mission. <laughs> this is the order of business here. Who shot whose arm off? It's not Makarov. But do you do you remember the um the all gillied up mission where you're playing as Captain Price with his um dude, the like iconic mission from Modern Warfare? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. World World at War and Black Ops are the two that are in the same timeline. Yeah. yeah. Modern Warfare bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Um doing some real digging yeah, here. Yeah, Zakayev, Imran Zakayev. Yeah, I told you. Yeah. You you are correct. Uh Makarov is in uh Modern Warfare 3. So, um that's where I remember it, the most recent one. But yeah, Zakayev I believe is the one that you shoot his arm off when you're playing as Captain Price um in the All Gillied Up mission. But see, yeah, like when he executes that ousted leader of the country, there are thousands of people cheering in the streets. And I was always interested, like, oh, no, he's not the one who executes it. No, he's no, not no, it's there. not. Oh, my it's God. the ousted military general. <laughs> hey, it's been Wait, a while No, but my point still stands. The U.S. Army invades, but we don't get any. I mean, there's no comment on, like, the fact that he was very popular in the country. Oh, uh, mm. yeah. There's nothing about that there. I I don't know what Call of Duty Modern Warfare is going for with with what they're talking about right now about like making war visceral and seeing the horrors of it when Call of Duty innately and when you think of Call of Duty it's like actiony shooter. Yeah, I feel like this is just marketing talk and ideas they've had, and it won't mean anything when it comes. Yeah, because I feel like I'm skeptical because now it seems like it's cool to be critical of sort of American imperialism around the world. And so I feel like we're just kind of like co-opting the language that like people care about where they're like, okay, maybe, you know, forever wars aren't great. And that's sort of an understanding that we have now as a culture, but they're still going to like have all of the same, you know, cool sounding guns and um, 
still make you and feel like, like a badass for you know like killing innocent people killing russians um you know and it's like i don't mind games with like impactful gun sounds and stuff i like that stuff it makes them fun to shoot in the game and so on but yeah it's like we're in 2019 and we're still mulling in games where we shoot like arabs and the russians mm-hmm. like we've just dragged out the early 2000s and cold war like forever and it's just like yeah and it feels else. like now they, they want to put some icing on it to to make you feel better about it yeah, almost. yeah exactly and it's just like it's so boring like we've done it before it's not the 90s it's not the 2000s anymore like do something new i'm not saying make a game where we shoot the chinese but like <laughs> just do something different like the why are the russians always the evil dudes who are like not like one step away from nazis yeah i thought battlefield one tried to do some interesting stuff that i think arguably worked a little better than modern warfare did in its commentary mm-hmm. on war yeah, I think I was surprised that Battlefield 1 did not have any levels where you played as the Germans or the Austrians. Because okay, that war didn't really have... Because that. that game didn't really have any... I mean, that war, the First World War, didn't really have any like super bad guys. Like, World War II, I think we can all agree, the Nazis were bad guys were like innately bad yeah and like yeah. imperial japan was also pretty terrible too yeah like just the mass slaughter of jews homosexuals political prisoners and then for japan like the un- cultural annihilation of korea the genocide pretty much in china like and things just like, like all like the-, the way down the coast yeah yeah like those are innately bad things were the allied countries not part of this no i mean the british empire had its empire the united states did a lot of fucked up things but on the whole, those compared to like Nazis and Japan in the, the narrative of the time and even now, like the Nazis, Imperial Japan, like innate, like bad. The First World War was just a lot of like, oh no, the arch, the, the, the Archduke of Austria, Hungary was shot by a Serbian nationalist in Bosnia and then a war broke out. And because of treaties, millions of people died over one assassination of a family member in like Europe. That's it. And I thought that was interesting that Battlefield 1 didn't have any levels where you played as the central powers. It made this, even though the marketing material was all about like men dying in the hundreds, despite the fact none of them really know why they're there. Mm -hmm. Like there was an ad or maybe part of the game where an ally, uh, an Entente soldier and a central power soldier are aiming their guns at one another. And then they drop them and look around and they're surrounded by bodies. And it's like, yeah, the First World War was a horrible waste of life. Yet in the campaign, you still only play the 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 entente powers and you're still just killing like all these evil germans and it's just like you close but you guys you still missed it you're still sitting in like this weird world war ii idea that germans are like demons yeah which works for world war ii games but not for world war one it just feels weird mm-hmm. yeah and plus i mean i don't like that whole like story by story thingy i feel like that's Battlefield 1. Oh, though. yeah, it's the, not the, the little short, like, little vignettes, like, yeah. so episodes. I'm just like, okay. Uh... Yeah, I mean, so, as far as the presentation, I guess one of the points that they seemed to, to make was that the, like, the state of, this is something they said, I'm not, I'm not agreeing with it, they, they said that the state of, like, warfare has changed in, like, the past 
10 or 12 years since the first entry in the series and that they have a lot of they're, they're gonna have a lot of new things to say about it and that's part of the reason that they're doing this uh this reboot of oh wow with the title modern warfare it looks like i i would like to know warfare. what specifically they yeah, mean I, like what do they mean yeah <laughs> like i i guess yeah war has changed but i can't tell it's changed from what we've seen of the game no because when i hear a phrase like that like i i just kind of think of it in the video gamey sense of like so now we're just gonna have like a, a drone button mm. to send out our drone and blow some people up as opposed to throwing our grenades I think it would be cool if, like, their idea of reboot is, like, going back to the exact same Modern Warfare story, but, like, giving, like, what was happening in the background, like you were saying, Will, like, what was happening during um, the whole uh, Middle East situation when the leader gets executed, and, like, that's where the freedom fighters that they're saying, like, come in. So it's, like, essentially the same story as Modern Warfare, only giving you background and, like, you know, same characters like Soap and... Um, yeah, like, I, I think it would be neat to do, like, have the Freedom Fighters be... be we, we get the story of these Freedom Fighters, and uh, we get to know these characters for a bit, and, like, hear about their cause, and then we find out we're fighting against the Americans. Mm-hmm. I think there you could do something with that, where, like, you've just been playing as, like, the Americans and the British, oh, we're so fucking badass. Then in the next level, we're playing as, like, these heroes, and then we find out, oh, we're fighting the Americans, like, there's... There's something to be said there, like with the wars in the Middle East that we've been in. I think actually the re- the most recent like war game that I've played that did it the absolute best was uh, Spec Ops the Lion. Um, I just beat that game like what, two months ago and the enemies were American soldiers. Um, you were an American soldier or a fucking squad this game takes a lot of setup yeah it, it takes a lot of setup and everything but like um it actually shows a great deal of like how ptsd and stuff can implement into soldiers and like the horrors of war and there is no like happy ending and stuff and like chemical warfare and civilians dying because of you and all that stuff like and it's not just like um you know russian soldiers uh, the bad guys the russians or stuff like that um, you're fighting American soldiers, but um, I just thought it was really cool and just like a unique situation with um, modern military shooters. So if you guys haven't already played it, I should go check it out. I literally got that game for one dollar. So I mean, <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know any war games that directly address PTSD, and I mean, one that's like not a very gamey thing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, yeah, it's not cool. Come on, right. man, we need to shoot our guns. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But as far as kind of bringing the horrors of war to a relatable level, I feel like that's probably one of the best routes if you can find a way to implement that into a game. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that, a, that there is at least one game that... Um, yeah, any more thoughts on Modern Warfare? I'm actually kind of pretty excited about it because, I mean... I, I, I'm interested to see what, what they'll interested do. Interested yeah. is my word. Interested. Yeah, I'm interested. The reason I'm excited, though, is because I personally like Call of Duty multiplayer. Um, mm-hmm. I grew up with it, but specifically, like, the yeah, Modern Warfare the, kind stuff. Yeah, of the classic. Yeah. And FPS. I just like the, you know, uh, reaction twitch shooter multiplayer. And plus, uh, the cross-play on all platforms. And I was like, oh, shit, that means I can play with all my console players, or console buddies and stuff. And... Like that's that's what really excites me about it. I'm still gonna wait till it comes out. And plus, no season pass. So, 
Um, but that doesn't mean no microtransactions or anything. So, like, no season pass, but we're going to put a battle pass in. I'm like, fuck. They got me. <laughs> no, but I, I genuinely am excited because, like, whenever I see Captain Price and, like, my favorite buddies of the Bravo 6, I always get super excited. Just ever since I first played Modern Warfare, um, the whole, um, the, the prologue with the boat mission. Just like stormy the I'm boat. Sorry, what? The, what? The tanker mission. Yeah, where where, where like, you go onto the like ship. It's a rainy night. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's okay. dark at night, and then you. Um, yeah, when he said boat, I was like, like a real boat, <laughs> like a little. Yeah, it was like an entire squad of people just like they going on a rowboat. Rowboat, <laughs> it sinks. Sorry, I should probably put the scale better. Like a, yeah, uh, but just like just playing from that, just that just hooked me. It was just so cool. Just the whole night vision. Going in stealthy and everything. I just I loved it. It was fun. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, it kind of got weird when like Infinite Warfare came out. I'm just like, what the hell? I actually. I've been meaning to play Infinite Warfare. I've heard that like it, it was really negatively received because of the fatigue. Mm-hmm. But I heard and the story you... was actually pretty good, which is weird. Yeah, I've heard it's a pretty good like campaign. Yeah, and like you like go to like different like. Was it like and I'm also just a sucker for sci-fi, so <laughs> like even if it's bad, I'll probably still love it. Jon Snow is the main villain, so it's weird, and fucking Conor McGregor's in it too, which is also weird. Really? Yeah, uh, I was like, what ew. the hell? All right, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I need to play it still, so I might do that actually. I I think it's kind of interesting how like in I mean Battlefield 4's uh, story was not good, but like. Um, it, this time it wasn't like the Russians, it was, uh, China, China actually. So I just thought that was interesting how like there was like the, there was like a whole battle in Shanghai and stuff like that. And just, um, different set pieces, not just like Russian and Afghanistan stuff. And it was like, oh shit, China? Like that was interesting. And then also like even as bad as Homefront was, it was still interesting with the whole North Korean, um, like Red Dawn kind of situation, you know? I, like. I think Homefront Homefront's a good example of another game that I think like it advertised itself as having like a deep story and like being impactful. But then when that game came out, playing it, it was just like, yeah, these guys were talking out of their ass. Because I remember, it's like you're you're the underdogs and you're trying to take back the country from the Koreans. But then you play the game and like very early in the game, you and this other dude are killing like a hundred Koreans with knives. Yeah, it's just like the, you guys have like. You've missed your own message here. How are we the underdogs when we're killing like billions of Koreans? Exactly. It just felt, I don't know. I think Call of Duty Ghosts had that problem too. Like the United States is being invaded by Latin Americans. And it's like, I, seems, I like, seems like they're not doing a good job because we're killing them all. It's just interesting to me that like in the news, like I remember, like I said, uh, while we were talking about Call of Duty is like, Modern Warfare 2 got some flack because there are parts where you're shooting American soldiers. Um, there was this Chinese army um, game. Like, the United States Army funds America's Army, which is a first-person shooter. The Chinese government funded their own shooter. And then I remember some news coverage here was like, the Chinese are making a game where it looks like you shoot Americans. And it's like, interesting how the news isn't talking about how we make our game look like you're shooting the Russians and so on. Yeah. But it's like, all these big countries with these big militaries, it's like, I don't know, they're just so deeply rooted with, like, this nationalism, this nationalistic, like, jingoism for, like, 
Mm-hmm. Fuck everybody else. Don't fuck with us. We got the best army. Like the stuff right now in Venezuela, like the posturing that's going on about intervention, maybe it's like, guys, we've done intervention before and it doesn't and work. And it doesn't well. work. Yeah. Like, oh my it didn't gosh. Work in, it, and it's not, it's not could, even intervention. It's just like you're staging coups and then you're just like going to create a pu- US and Latin America. Yeah, absolutely. Like it's just, it's the exact same thing. It's all about the oil money. Nothing else matters. It's like, do the people of Venezuela have a shitty life because of the corrupt regime? Yeah, but that's not why the United States is getting involved. If we, if that was why, we would be, you know, changing things at home as well because we have our own problems. But that's not why. It's like, it's just a, it's a neat little talking point that like they can use to distract. Like, in the Middle East, we did not invade Iraq over like 9-11. We invaded because they, well, pardon me, the reasoning was they may or may not, but probably <laughs> do have weapons of mass destruction. Whatever the fuck those were. And Amnesty International was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Because, I mean, it's a humanitarian group, but it's bought, it's, it's not really, but like, they then released documents saying like, we need to get involved in Iraq. And then we launched this big invasion. Spoiler alert, we never found weapons of mass destruction. But we did find some oil. Who would have known? Who would have known? Who would have thought? And then Amnesty International was just like, oh, we didn't. Oops, we we goofed. Sorry, we ended up leading to the bombings of thousands and millions of people. But whatever. They just get off free, I guess. I liked but, um, I liked the Black Ops games because it was like more like smaller. <laughs> um, Sorry, I know you guys are like going off. <laughs> but um, no, like with the Black Ops games, it was Raul Menendez. That was the bad guy of the Black Ops two i think those damn latinos i knew it we must stop them no um it was so he's a nicaraguan uh political activist um he's a leader of a terrorist organization named cordis dia um and hacked multiple automated u.s military drones using them to attack its domestic major cities yada yada and it was interesting because like um they actually gave him like a motive in the game because like back in like what was it like the 70s or something american soldiers like uh oh, yeah, destroyed yeah like destroyed his town like burning his sister alive and crippled her and like did all this stuff and so like gave him an interesting motive and that's what i liked about the black ops series is because they weren't about the big wars or anything there were smaller covert op- operations that weren't supposed to show the light of day kind of thing like with the it's first a- black ops the whole numbers situation and stuff and just like being um brainwashed and all that that was cool to me it's interesting that we talked about um uh like yeah how how is call of duty modern warfare gonna like show the horrors of war when being all about like the main objective of those games is to shoot people it's just mm-hmm. shoot people and it's interesting because like we have like lots of films on like the Vietnam War that succeed in like making commentary, and it's just interesting that like those are able to succeed because you know it's like a, a, a visual medium, something you sit and you watch and you think about. Whereas with a game, trying to do that is very hard because you also have to play it. Yeah, like I don't think and... the game medium is a very. See, I good... think it could be used. I think it could be used really, really well because now you're you are engaged in this, mm-hmm. but Call of Duty. You're engaged in it, but you, you, yeah, you got to shoot these guys. Yeah, fuck them up. Whereas, like, 
I, from what I've heard of Spec Ops Align, there's something, there's things there that are just like, you engage in something and it's like, should you have really been doing that? Mm. I don't know. I, I haven't played it, but it's like, it's very interesting that like, we have lots of movies on the Vietnam War uh, and like the horrors of that, of like, we, there are scenes of like American soldiers just like bombing villages and executing people. And it's like a very earnest look at that conflict. Whereas right now, even even our th- discussions about the Middle East are still we're not at that point really yet. I feel on the whole, there's like a lot of still like pro war stuff. Oh yeah, and like okay, I, I'm just gonna go on a tangent here, but I yeah, like we talked about like interventions, they, they haven't really worked. The best <laughs> argument you could make is like maybe Korea, maybe. But like Vietnam was a disaster. The Vietnamese wanted just to like fight for their independence. Then the United States was like, yeah, I know why you're doing this. You're puppets of the Soviets, the Russians. And the Vietnamese were like, huh? No, we aren't. <laughs> and, and it's like, it's, it's, you can tell that like, yeah, the, v- the Vietnamese were just wanted and they just wanted Vietnam for like the Vietnamese because nowadays Vietnam and the United States have great relations. Because the Vietnamese were just like, yeah, the Americans, they came over here and they fucking died. They were just really annoying. And the, the Vietnamese have memorials set up for like the war and things. But in Vietnam, the big like rival in the region has always been China. But it's like it was never about like this dumb, like ideological conflict. That was just the United States. Like it's paranoia. Like that's why we threw uh, overthrew like. Allende in like Chile in Chile because like they they elected a communist must have been a mistake it'd be a shame if there was a coup d'etat and yes. then like yeah the Middle East hasn't worked out all that great um destabilized Iraq underselling it I think yeah like I I I like like yeah we stopped Saddam Hussein who had been gassing the Kurds awesome but also. The United States military even said if we were going in, in there, there are some things we need to do to make sure things don't fall apart. And the Bush administration said, nah, nah, you're wrong. We, nah, uh, Turns out the military was right. We needed a lot more soldiers there. We needed to not completely wipe out the Iraqi infrastructure. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. And then, you know, Afghanistan just kind of went on forever. Obama then got us into Libya, which is still in a three way civil war into Syria, which is just a mess. It's just like the Republicans and the Democrats are just these I just don't fucking get I just don't fucking get it. Like, why? Everybody talks about, oh, war. We, we all agree that a lot of these wars were bad, but every time a party gets in power, it's always like, oh, well, we need to start this new war for these other reasons that are totally justifiable. You know why? Like, Money. I, yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> I remember the Obama administration um, took some things that the Bush administration had done, which is a lot of shit, and like redefined what a combatant was. Which might sound like a small thing, but then that meant that during the Obama administration, if we bombed a civilian convoy, all the civilians there would be considered combatants. And so like levels of like, oh, yeah, we got these enemy combatants. It's like, oh, but they're not telling you that that government definition means just people who are hit with arms. Which could be anybody. Yeah. It's a and very convenient way. To it's, yeah, it's ex- very convenient because then yourself. they can say, oh, no, we didn't lie. No, we, we we redefined it. It's available in like page 12 billion of some government document that you need to request through the Freedom of Information Act. It's like the average people aren't going to know this. 
They're just going to see that we killed enemy combatants and think that those are the bad guys. I just, I don't get it. Why can, like, ne neither the left or the right in this country stop killing people, like, fighting wars? The left does it. I mean, it, I feel right like if you it. go far enough to the left, there's some really, like, people are really, really critical of American imperialism. I feel like they get to the point where they're, like, they're all tankies, right? And they're like, the Soviets did nothing wrong. And you're just like, okay, yeah. shut up, stop. Yeah, if you go too far, if you go too far left, it's like, wait a minute, millions died. <laughs> They but, were an empire. What have you? Yeah, yeah, it's like. But I, I think that, like you know, the Democrats as like a as like a party are still very pro yeah. pro violence, pro war, it's, pro it's corporations. Always, it's all these things like, and even if you go far enough left, and and somehow a far left party got into power, I mean that wouldn't be the end of it because you'd still have problems that like you know the Soviet Union had, where early on it's got all these great ideas, but then it very quickly slips back into kind of like old world imperialism why like a farmer in wyoming has no reason or interest in fighting a war against a farmer in like fuzhou province in china they could give a shit less but for some reason there's this political tension between these two world powers i mean okay th th yeah there are lots of reasons for that but it's like <laughs> And I'm not saying China is free from blame because it is an oppressive state, but still, like, everybody's just so excited for war. Because it makes them money. It makes them money and, and everybody's just like, yeah, oh, we're going to win. Of course we're going to win. And everybody thinks that. <laughs> it's just like, guys, this isn't, this isn't good. Don't you think it's kind of weird when we live in a world where during peacetime, everybody's excited for the next war? But we isn't haven't even weird? been in peacetime for, like... I guess, our entire life, essentially. Yeah. And that's another thing is, like, we don't go on, like, war footing for wars. We, we are fighting wars that take minimal, that have, a, like, a minimal impact on the civilians at home. Mm-hmm. Which means that people will just be more willing to keep the wars going because, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I, it hasn't really affected me negatively. I think it's really interesting to see movies that are period pieces when mm -hmm. there's certain things like, uh oh, we're we're all gonna go off to war now. Oh no! And it's like, we're we're in modern times we're perpetually at war. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the weird thing is in the modern the modern world right now is statistically like one of the most peaceful times in the world, in like history. I mean, that's that that's statistically true. But the thing is like we're still in these conflicts like the scale has shrunken but they still exist and it's just like another thing is like the cold war like you think of the cold war and you think of like mutually assured destruction and the end of all human life and then like oh the cold war ended in like 1990 it's like no the nukes still exist the conversation about war has changed but we still have the capability to end all human life like we're still on like a knife's edge here. And the United States, we keep gr expanding our military budget. Like I understand a nation needs a military, but we have, we spend more than any other nation combined for what? I mean, the reason is because, oh, we need to, we need to stay ahead. We, we got to beat the Chinese. Ooh. I'm so like excited this, for the, chi for China to be the next world like, superpower. Like I this cannot is, wait. This is just like, this is the cycle that has happened. Like the British empire was like, uh oh, fuck the, the United States is going to beat us. Oh shit. What are we going to do? And now it's the United States turn to be on top. 
and then it'll be China again. Like, yes, yes, yes. It, it'll happen. Like, whenever I play Democracy Three, I always cut military funding immediately because this helps me fix a lot of other problems. It's like I understand having a military and all these things, but like we spend almost a trillion dollars. I think I, I could be wrong on that. I, I probably am on our military, and it's just like this is absurd. Like, like. Uh, China as a world power, like, will that be a good thing? I, I don't know. Is the United States a world power a good thing? Not really. It's not. It's just kind of this like, eh, thing. China will they be a benevolent superpower? Of course not. No world power in the world has no ever world been that. Exactly. There's, yeah. Exactly. Like, China is going to go do something, and people are going to see. See, we knew China was evil, and it's like. But then, what yeah, has America sure. been doing this whole time? It, like, what has exactly. America been doing since World War Two? You know, and like makes me so angry when i like i would prefer the united states to seek to like lower our military and become a friendly like kind of neutral trading power with the world i think that but i mean that's a pipe dream that'll never happen i wish it would and that way you know the chinese who spoiler alert a country with over <laughs> twice our population a lot of resources they're going to be a world power they are a world power like th that's not going to change they they have historically been like a huge power in the world like there's a reason china was often called the middle kingdom like it's immensely powerful and i think it's just so sad that instead of like realizing the current situation and like protecting our interests but like reducing our kind of antagonistic stance we are instead just you know saber rattling and like picking a fight with the chinese no it's it's interesting to see like 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 movies that are about war and to see the different takeaways different people have from them because mm -hmm. i feel like there's some really like thoughtful writing put into mm -hmm. a lot of films like uh like lone survivor i think is a really interesting piece and like mm -hmm. there's like the hurt locker and other pieces like that and i it's so interesting to see like like usually kind of like the the the, the far the, like the further right crowd has this weird takeaway from these movies of like this has just heightened my respect for the military or just God bless our soldiers, stuff like that. And it's like the complete us. opposite. Well, not the opposite. Cause I do have a lot of respect for the military, but it's not the, that's not the takeaway I get from these movies. It's, it's more about like getting a better feel for what's going on here and just kind of seeing a lot of the pointlessness of it uh, here in, in um, podcast planning, I've posted a, an image that just reminded me of like what we're talking about. It's like, I just Fantasy see the Sevens, like main oh. theme. But like everyone gets is like, whoa, is bad cool sword! It's wow, cool like, sword! They just ignore like the they ignore the big theming yeah. for like, wow, th now that's cool. Mm -hmm. It's just like lost on people. Or they like, like see the pointlessness of war, and then they're just like, oh yeah, but they're still out there and they're still fighting. When like the whole, you know, just like completely, like still like seeing their lens, their context, their perspective. Yeah, like, I just all these wars it's always like decided by really old or if not old out of touch politicians in DC war never they changes. will be dead soon and it's just like they always decide these things but you know all they get out of it is more money because yeah. of the military industrial complex the people who go and die are the young people who like are in the military and the civilians in the world 
And then, like, on top of that, I feel like it's also sort of perpetuated by, like, our lack of, me- like, media criticism that, like, people just don't have. And so, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's really easy for, like, small news stations to, like, roll out, you know, like, oh, the cops helped this <laughs> woman cops. out, you know, because it's a nice oh, they- feel-good yeah, story. Yeah. And then there's just, like, a lack of, and so, like, um, or, like, oh, the troops are, like, at this thing, and they're, like, helping people, and, like, they're just really, um, there's just, like, a lack of. Of, of deeper criticism that people are engaging with their media that they are consuming. And so it's really easy for the media to just turn into propaganda because, you know, they're all owned by the same sort of people who have the same sort of interest as these old rich white politicians. And um, it's just a fucking oligarchy. It's yeah. It's just like, I just, God damn. <laughs> I just get very sad when thinking about the state of like the world and politics. Like in the news and like articles, I'll see things writing about like like the New York Times, the Washington Post, all these things are like which paper is it that has that thing, Democracy Dies in Darkness? The Washington, Post. Post. Washington Post. And it's like, now look at this. By the way, let's get ready to fight those goddamn Chinese. It's I like know. I'll see articles about the China's got this thing called the one belt, one road thing where they're going to like fund infrastructure from China uh, all the way to Europe. It's going to be like a new Silk Road. And a lot of the ways they're funding it is like through kind of like debt slavery in a way where they make countries owe them irreparable, like like unpayable debts. And it's like, yeah, that is scummy. But like we said earlier, you know, every world power has done that shit. Also, it's happening it's right here like, in America to like, you know, students. Yeah. And, and- <laughs> but what, what I'm saying is like, they're, they're talking about how bad this all is, but it's like all these are, if, if you read them, all of these articles are pretty much just saying it, it, it reduces American world power. And it's like, why do we need to stop the Chinese from building a road for trade? I understand. Of course, it'll increase Chinese power, but it'll also help a lot. Like, I, I get that, but we don't need to, like, be the top dog. The United States didn't want to be the top dog. Like, well, that's not what I should say. We kind of came up into this position and now we're just like awkwardly sitting here. Like, we don't need to. There's no reason we can't be second, third, or fourth place and get along fine. In my opinion, I, I, I just, you know, I'm not saying we will all sit around and like sing songs and there will be no more violence. Of course not, but we are picking fights with countries where fights don't need to exist. Like recently there's been posturing against Iran again. Like that's been going on since like Bush, Obama, Trump, and even before that. And it's just like, this is a thing where. (laughs) Caleb, is this image? Is that how you feel about this conversation? (laughs) No, I actually wasn't even laughing at that. Okay. I just got an email from GameStop saying, we'd like to know what you think of Lego Star Wars, the complete saga, while it's still fresh in your mind. Please take a moment to read <laughs> What do you think of Lego Star Wars, the complete saga? Does it have any good commentary on war? <laughs> I just remember, I remember seeing these clones, and they were all in a hot tub, and they only had the clone helmets, and they were wearing bikinis. That's cool. just fetishization of the military. Yeah, that's the closest I can get to saying that word. <laughs> yeah, that's immediately what my eight-year-old mind thought when I saw that. Honestly, <laughs> I forgot I, I sent that. I'm, I'm interested in the idea. Uh, the the like the one thing that interests me about about modern new modern warfare, I guess I'll say, uh, is that 
I guess there's there's a point of view from a young girl who then grows up to become a like an insert some sort of some sort of some sort of rebel figure because that gives that 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 gives you a perspective of like civilians which you don't you like all fucking military movies are about the like the soldier's perspective and like all the shit that they go through which is fine but like that's every movie yeah and when, i when like most of the people who die can, are civilians yeah like you can find a few like there's like the uh, the bread uh, fuck i don't want to fuck up the name the bread runner was that was that does that sound right was that animated yes yeah 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 uh was it the breadwinner? Oh no, I'm. Oh, this is all fucked up. No, yeah, the breadwinner. The it was the man. bread. The breadwinner. I guess I was thinking of uh, Mirror's Edge, where you're the runner. And then they <laughs> cite like being inspired by a few documentaries, like the White Helmets and Last Man in Aleppo. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, if I mean, if they're really doubling down on any of that stuff, like, it's, here's the thing: is like we haven't seen them do this stuff before, so it's like, okay, you're saying this stuff to get us like interested. We have yet to see this manifest. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm, I'm just, I'm open to seeing this happen, but I'm very doubtful that, that I'm doubtful that Activision, who has done, like, 19 Call of Duty games about shooting the hell out of people, can do something that's actually impactful. And so I'm very skeptical when they say stuff like, we were inspired by the White Helmets or Last Man in Aleppo, but also that's interesting, if true. Yeah, I guess I would also say the same thing, like, We'd be cool, but I'm I'm very skeptical. But remember that one time in Modern Warfare Two when you could jump off of Rust and like 360 quick scope your friends. <laughs> that was pretty cool. It's a pretty good multiplayer in Call of Duty is a completely different <laughs> subject. No, it's the Rust same subject. You find the perilous. <laughs> See, it's well, like maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. The government's... I guess I guess multiplayer is still portraying soldiers killing one another. So it's like I, I mean, I it's know. it's certainly got to be something when you're playing a game and it's like the horrors of war, and then it says, "Now join your friends in multiplayer and rack up those kills." Kill streak, calling an airstrike. And then when you're oh, eight boy. years old, you get called every single racial slur known to fucking man. Yeah, I was eight playing yeah. that game. <laughs> This kid, this guy called me fat, and I was fat when I was little. But like, I don't know how he knew, because I was just talking. So maybe I was like, "What?" Like, I wasn't like offended. He's like, "Bro, you sound fucking fat, dude. Are you probably fat?" Oh, no, I was just like, no. "No, I, I wasn't like That's sad so about sad. it. I was just like, how does he know? Is he like watching me? Like, what the fuck?" He was just being mean. He was just saying mean things to be. No, yeah, I know, but like, it was just like, man, I went through some fucking shit playing that game it made me a man i'm just kidding <laughs> yeah the amount of shit like exposed to on voice chat as a kid is just like just you probably shouldn't hear and it, like just changes your perspective on things as you get older and it's just, yeah like, oh, i know God. like the classic modern warfare 2 um fucking clip he's like oh right shield oh it's little pussies it's right shield and he's like, like shut the fuck up you probably never shot a real gun and he's like, Dude, like playing counter-strike source i remember hearing like the n-word a lot oh and, like, no i never understood like why people were saying that i didn't get it and then later it was just like oh no they're just very mean people yeah it's just like dang voice chats are are just they can be a lot of fun but they can also just be like dens of uh villainy oh my god i found that exact voice clip that I was quoting from Modern Warfare 2. Oh! Bad day to be a Red Sox fan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Full circle. 
Yeah, no, this is 16 minutes long. No, 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 just the very first part. Just the very, That's very first part. That's a clip. I remember every single line from it. It's the very first, like, I think it's going to show, like, a montage. Oh, I've definitely heard this before. Should we... Oh, it's, it's great. Oh, should we talk about the games? Should we talk about the yeah. games? Yeah. Again. All right. I think Video we should have games. never taken that break. I think I should I just know. cut down <laughs> the conversation we had about the military so that it's more listenable and then just pretend we never took a break. Yeah. Just like that just like good. cut all of it out to the point where I just talk about Lego Star Wars and GameStop. I'm just yeah, kidding. If you let me talk for too long, I'll talk about why we need the socialist revolution. Yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> we will. Fuck yeah. The, who wants to who wants to talk about a game they've been playing? I do I oh no no no. You guys, you guys, you guys. <laughs> you can't oh, wow. Mind. You went from I do to no. I mean, I have well, I have a lot of them, so that's what I mean. <clears throat> Tringo, do you want to go? Who? Trongo. <laughs> Chungus. Uh, I have been playing a game called The Outer Wilds, and it had been on my radar for a bit because, I, one, I like sci-fi. Two, I like, like whimsical sci-fi. And when they showed this trailer, you were kind of you were this guy in a spacesuit at a campfire listening to a dude play guitar. So I was oh. like, I'm gonna keep an eye on this. This looks really cool. Um, it came out to uh, really like critically uh, like like a lot of critical praise. So I thought like, okay, like I've had my eye on this. I should just jump in uh, and try it out. And I, so far, I've I, I haven't gotten super far in it. I think I've probably played about four hours worth of it but i man i don't know it's so good um it's just it's it's so nice and puzzling and whimsical and it it, i was really struck specifically by the way space flight is handled where um it's kind of a more it's an approach that takes gravity into account which most space flight games don't what so what platform do you play this game on PC. No, I mean like uh what outlet like Steam. I got it on Epic. Epic, gotcha. Um yeah, I think with the sale it was 15 bucks. Oh, nice. I believe it's also on Steam. Uh it's not. I just checked. Oh, I was not? I was actually interested in buying it. I'm, huh. I might pick it up though. Yeah, it's with the yeah, with the Epic sale it's 15 bucks. Um I'm real it, it evokes a little bit of like I want to say a puzzler, you know, kind of like Mist, but I also think Mist is fucking boring, and this game is not boring. <laughs> um, you have to put some thought and care into taking off and landing, which I really enjoy because I fucking suck at it. Um, there is an autopilot, but it's not very good. And <laughs> I, I like, I just, I really love that it's no, it's no longer like Rogue Squadron or No Man's Sky flight where you hold W to go forward. Now it's like. I I have to account for the fact that I'm in zero gravity. I've got to, like, use my thrusters a little bit, but not too much, or I'm going to go, like, flying into a plant and die. So you've got to be, like, really careful, kind of like you're driving a car, and, like, put a little bit on the gas, like, put a little bit on the brake as you're coming in. It's just a really interesting... I'm sure there are games that have done this. I just don't know any off the top of my head, and I haven't really really experienced a, a simulation of spaceflight in this way. Um... So that's been that's been really neat. But aside from that, just like there's all this mysterious enigmatic shit in this universe. I'll, I'll here I should probably have started with the premise, which is 
you are an astronaut you you're some funny looking alien species and they're there you get to start in a village it's it's very nice you get to talk to all these people and they're like wishing you good luck on your on your first space flight and it's very pleasant it's kind of classic rpg where you can go around and talk to people and they don't really give you quests so much as just like little things you can do to kind of learn about space flight and stuff there is a museum that you have to go to to get your launch codes and the museum has a lot of interesting lore that you can kind of glance over to kind of get a feel for like what other astronauts have discovered about the solar system and this like it it has the classic like a little bit tired trope of an ancient race that is oh, like some artifacts have been left behind but it does it in the best way i've ever seen a game do it um you can find leftover writings from these civilizations and translate them and they have interesting and funny conversations because it's like they've like they've like graffitied on walls and stuff to talk to one another it almost it seems like so it's like i don't know it's just so much more interesting than like stellaris where you come across fucking relics and it's like oh the the precursors were here fuck i don't know Mm -hmm. there is a bust of one of these ancient civilizations you come across in the museum and this is this is like a minor spoiler, but this happens in the first 15 minutes, and this is kind of what hooked me on the game, so this is a good spoiler to hear to, to, to get you to play the game. Um, as you're leaving the museum, the bust fucking turns and looks at you, freezes you in place, and gives you like a visual playback of everything you have done in the game up until this point. So it kind of sets the stage for this really interesting aspect of time loops and time travel that you kind of end up in that's kind of the main mystery is is every 22 minutes in this game the sun explodes and wipes out the solar system and you wake up back at your campfire and the first time it happens it's like okay what happened and you kind of get back in your ship and figure out what's going on um once it happens three or four times it's like oh fuck like i'm going to all these different plants in the solar system i'm uncovering new data each time and my ship's log is it's cataloging all of the new and interesting things i'm discovering about both the solar system and about the like the precursor race and it's trying to weave them all together in kind of like a conspiracy board type fashion but i i'm at a point where none of the pieces have locked into place yet so i'm just really interested to find out what's actually going on and there's this aspect of like it feels like I'm in a thriller movie some of the time where I'm trying to hurry and solve these puzzles on these different plants and moons before the sun explodes. Like there was a really great moment where I had been going through these different tiers of like a palace. Uh, each each tier got a little bit harder in terms of trying to figure out how to get through the next door. And I was on like what seemed like the second to last tier based on some of the writings when I heard the sun explode and I went, oh no. Like, I couldn't see it because I was in the temple, but I was just like, oh, no, I'm going to have to come back here. So there's this really great moments like that in this game where there's just a lot of mystery about what's going on and a lot to hook you into doing another time loop to try to get a little bit further this time. It's like you still retain your data and everything. Um, so you could each each time you each time you get reset, you still have like incentive to kind of pick up where you left off there's also planets that like i don't want to give away a lot but there are planets and interstellar objects that uh, like are only accessible at certain points of the time loop 
So it requires a little bit of like mental planning. Like I can take out maybe this one thing if I go here in the first 10 minutes. And then when this other thing activates at like 15 minutes, I can head over there and start to do that. Uh, I've really been enjoying it, but I, yeah, I'm like, all, I'm already a big fan of sci-fi and stuff. Um, and it, I, I really like that there's a, there's a lot of weight to these very handcrafted planets. You can kind of compare it to something like No Man's Sky, where it's just kind of like every planet is another fucking planet, where in this game, every planet is a really new and interesting experience. And I'm going to go back into this game and try not to crash my ship some more so yeah uh that this i don't usually give games like a like a glowing recommendation but in this case i'm like man i think uh, everyone should play this game it's very neat that sounds like a game that i'd play i love space anything games yeah it's i don't know it's fantastic and i guess i could section into what i've been playing so i've been uh, i've been playing two games uh, I should say two game franchises. I've been playing a lot of uh, Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess and uh, Dead Space. So I'm going to focus more on Dead Space because I love that franchise so much. So Dead Space is... Have you guys played Dead Space all? Any of you guys? Uh, just the first one. I played mm -hmm. Dead Space 1 on iPad. That's right. Um, so Dead Space is um, probably one of my favorite franchises of all time. Um... It's a horror game. It's a third-person shooter horror game where uh, you play as an engineer called Isaac Clark. And um, in the first game, you are you get a distress signal from this um, ship that has like thousands of people on board, and normally that like isn't normal, especially with, like losing radio comms. So then you go check out the ship, and that's when shit happens. So um, one. The art style of the game is literally the most gorgeous thing ever for me. Um, one of my favorite movie franchises of all time is the Alien franchise with Sigourney Weaver. Um, I love the Geiger art style to that. I love the just feel of like a haunted house kind of like um, horror movie, but you're on a spaceship and there's one other thing chasing you after it killed the rest of your crew kind of thing. Like that to me is scary because like um in the alien movies like they give the fear of like like being impregnated by like some you know fucking alien spider thing and just like suffocation and i know that's my big phobia fear of being impregnated <laughs> well, it, well i mean just like imagine like just that whole um i don't know this this fucking face hugger scared the shit out of me <laughs> that's all i could say um but i just love the art um of the alien specifically and everything like that and um dead space can essentially be considered a spiritual successor to alien almost because it's like on the same vein of everything with like um how the ship reacts to everything the flickering lights the dark and really bright areas um that it could also create and just like seeing space as you're walking through on the side of the ship but all these um like especially the enemy types because every um how dead space works is there's an ancient again ancient artifact type of thing but what the ancient artifact is it infects humans so those humans like get these parasites in them essentially to morph them into these like disgusting like zombie type things 
um, like some crawl on walls. Some look like, like imagine like a morphed human that looks like a scorpion type thing. Like stuff like that. It's just like disgusting. And like you're just this engineer on this ship that's trying to figure out what happened to the ship. And then you're using like these engineering tools to like kill these things and like all hell's breaking loose. Like, oh man, just everything about the Dead Space series is just something that I've always loved. Like space and horror, especially those two combined make some really cool shit. And I may go back to Dead Space when I'm done with the Outer Wilds. No, yeah, I uh, 100% recommend one and two, even three actually. Three, the reason I'm hesitant is because it's it's a little bit more action shooter adventure. But um, it, it reminds me of more of the vein of, like, um, Lost Planet. So it's a co-op. Uh, Dead Space 3 is co-op, which is cool. And, like, there's a lot of cool stuff they do with the co-op. And, like, um, even the weapons. You, like, create your own weapons and stuff in that one. And highly recommend playing through that with, like, a friend or something. Or even play it through with me. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I love that franchise. It is great, um, and it's very spooky. I think in the second game, there's, like, toddler. Um, they're called necromorphs. Oh, no. Yeah, there's, like, toddler ones and stuff. And so, like, whenever, like, games make, like, kids, like, zombies and stuff, that always freaks me out even more. <laughs> like, especially these type of ones, because, like, they're not actually zombies, like, they're like alien parasitic humans that like morph into this like creature and it's just like disgusting looking is awesome but like it'll like turn their bones into like spikes and shit and like oh man it's gross it's so cool yet you can't you don't always aim for the head you gotta aim for the limbs that's just the main thing but um yeah dead space fucking awesome love that franchise i wish ea didn't Put a bullet in the back of their head but um and there was one more i pre-ordered um I, i'm not playing this yet but i pre-ordered a game called trover saves the universe and the reason i pre-ordered this game is because it's a game created by uh the co-creator of rick and morty and um i love like everything he does and this game is like essentially what rick and morty is as an action adventure platformer and it looks fucking hilarious. And it's literally only $25 on Steam. And they're going to make all the DLC free with no microtransactions. So I was like, wow, I'm buying this right now. And uh, if you guys... yeah, I, I, I recommend you guys check out some trailers on that yeah, game. Yeah, I watched the trailer of that game after you told me about it. And yeah. I felt like I was just hearing audio from Rick and Morty. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't even care at, at this point. Like, that's fine. That's totally fine with me. And essentially, they could just, like, make that a spin-off universe of Rick and Morty, which I think they are doing, essentially. I don't, I think I overheard something like that. But anyways, it looks really funny. It looks really funny because I love Rick and Morty humor. Um, will you be giving us your, your review of... Uh, yeah, I will. Of what is this called? Trover Saves, Trover saves the, universe. the Universe. Yeah, and it's also in VR, too. So you can play right. the game in VR if you guys have VR. Fun oh, stuff. Yeah. Space games. It's the theme. Space games. I love a good spook. Will, you love a good spook. I, I don't. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I, 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 do very, I do very poorly with horror games. <laughs> I also I, I don't like, like I, spook. <laughs> it's, it's just like, with horror games, it's like, 
well, I don't want to play it. I'll get scared. It's like, that's, <laughs> the, that's like the fundamental point. But it's just like, I can't do it. It's, I just get to, I get so stressed out. It's like, I gotta, I gotta stop. And that's is not good for me. That's the one thing with Dead Space 2. It's like, um, it's like the one horror game that stays consistently scary to me. But like, at the same time, it gives you like options to fight back. You know, it's not just a walking simulator like a lot of horror games, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, like Outlast is fantastic for horror game standards. Like I love Outlast. Outlast Two is, ah, but Outlast is fantastic. Um, and also I really like Soma, which is not necessarily super. Oh no. Scary. Um, I, it was it was a very interesting story to me, and I liked that a lot too. Um, but, I mean, Dead Space. It's like Resident <laughs> I Evil. I just will just go. Oh no. I guess because I. What's I up? have played through Soma, and I absolutely hate that game. <laughs> I I liked I, I, <laughs> I like some of the themes of it. Like I hated the whole walking simulator, and like it it just stopped like feeling like a game to me. More of just like I, I, the problem I had with Soma was like in a lot of games, you and the main character will go along at the same time, and you'll and you'll learn things when the character does, mm-hmm. or you'll piece things together that the character might already know. But for me, the problem was there were things in that game that, like, by the end of it, I had already pieced them together. But the main character was still, like, he didn't grasp what was going on. And the way that game ends, it's just, like, I, I hated the main character. I was It was just, like, I hate this guy. It takes him a decade to figure things out that have been explained to him. And it was just, like, I hate this. This is just the worst thing in the world because I spend the whole game controlling the body of somebody who doesn't get what's going on. And it just, I just got so irritated by that. Like I had no patience. If it wastes my time, it's like no. That's really. Funny. I don't want to do this. Um, I guess I'll go. I finished playing. Well, I guess I won with Monsa Musa in my Civ Six game that I started last week. Um, I accidentally won a diplomatic victory i was going for a science victory but um ended up getting all the diplomatic victory points i forgot that you get them or you get two when you build the statue of liberty and so that when i finished building that i i I won and i was like oh whoops that was kind of a happy (laughs) um coincidence accident i don't know um, but I definitely really liked playing as Mount Samusa. I will want, I'm probably up there with my favorite civs. I just like being able to just like buy an army and then be like, okay, well, I'm done with this. It's just so much nicer than having to like wait for all the production and just having so much money is so easy and fun. Um, don't really have any like meaningful things to say because I feel like I talked about that last week with my feeling guilty about taking over Zimbabwe, but right, that was the only that was the only civilization that I did end up completely taking out. It was the only imperialist atrocity. Yeah, the I only thing that I did was I only did one thing wrong. Zimbabwe. Um, I was really lucky where I like spawned. There was only um Rome and. Zimbabwe where I was at so I just kind of like me and I guess Rome took the southern half and I took like the northern half and it was pretty easy um didn't really fight over anything which was great but yeah 
Um, and then I also played, or I guess I ran D&D for like the first time in a really long time because we've had such bad luck with schedules. And it was really cool because it was the very sort of like the final boss fight of this arc that we've been working on. Um, the Dragon Deep Water High. No, the Water Deep Dragon High. <laughs> I keep fucking it up. <laughs> I say it wrong every single time. But um, yeah, the party got into this like the secret vault. They found the keys. They. Um, they got stuck in the um, dungeon for a while. I think I talked about this before, but they were really, really stupid about jumping over these holes in the bridges, and they were like, oh no, the bridges are going to fall down, so they had to, like, rig up some, like, really <laughs> complex thing with their, like, uh, their, like, dungeoneering equipment, and I was like, you could have just jumped over on them, but, you know, <laughs> that's what happens when you play. Uh, things just go so awry and so, like, strange. Um, but it was fun. They did not end up fighting the boss in the, the it was like, it was a gold dragon who was guarding all of the gold dragons, the coins that had been embezzled from the city. And um, they went a really interesting route, which I thought was fun because it, like obviously there's there's a bunch of different options that they can do. They could have fought the dragon, they could have bribed it, they could have, um, you know, ran away and then told the city to come down with them. But they ended up just sort of like striking a deal with the dragon and the dragon was just gonna hang out in the dungeon guarding the gold forever while they just sort of filled a bag of holding which ended up holding 25,000 gold pieces so now they're really really rich and they aren't going to tell anybody because they want to keep the money for themselves and um thought it was a really fun way to wrap up this sort of like story arc that had just been kind of like a shit show from the beginning and i think it just sort of like ended on a really um on a fun note that they were just like, oh, we're not going to actually be the heroes, but we aren't going to like, you know, turn in or we aren't going to betray the dragon because, you know, the dragon's just being a dragon. And, um, yeah. I'm excited for the next arc. Um, cause I'm going to be running Storm King's Thunder, which I've wanted to run. I think since like the, since the module came out, which was a couple of years ago, but it's this really sort of like epic fight between, dragons and giants and you sort of get to pick sides and um do that and yes, you know Godzilla. they're with yeah yeah exactly but um i bought a whole bunch of giant midi minis that are really cool and i'm really excited to get to use them on the battle map because they're to scale and they are so big and scary and really awesome i like giant minis <laughs> giant minis yeah genies <laughs> oh and then one more thing about D&D um, Ghosts of Saltmarsh which is um, Wizards of the Coast's newest I guess adventure book um, which has all of all kinds of rules for um, being on a boat and <laughs> Or I guess like be, you know, different kinds of, of boats and, and ships and, you know, all the things in between. Um, but because the other campaign that that I run that Cam and I sort of like 
right together is all ocean going and so i'm really excited to i've just sort of like flipped through the book and um i'm just excited to implement some of the the cool new rules that they have for just like crazy magical storms that happen like additional monsters that are you know interesting um and then there's some really cool adventures that kind of you can just like plunk down into whatever campaign setting you already have it's really similar to tales of the yawning portal which was another book that was really similar to this one um that came out a while ago but yeah i don't know new rules new ideas new stories new boats new boats yeah new boats hell yeah what what else I don't have anything else to say about games I've been playing. What about Will? Uh, I have gotten back into playing this game called Pathologic. Um, I had talked with Travis about this game a few nights ago, I think. And um, I was like, oh, dang, I- I'd really like to get back into that. It's like a, I believe it's like a Russian psychological horror. Well, not even that. It's like a psychological survival game. You, you, one of the main characters you can play as um, is like this Moscow University medical student, and you go out to this town in far eastern Siberia because there's a disease going on, and you are kind of in charge of working with the local municipality and trying to figure some things out. But the town, it's like kind of been sectioned off from the rest of Russia, so the social structure there is very odd. The way people talk is strange. Just the dynamic is very weird. And you've got a ticking clock because the disease keeps spreading. Um, it is very confusing. It's dreamlike, uh, maybe surreal in some ways. I don't know. I, I'm I, I'm a sucker for stuff like that. I really like that. Um, I've been playing it. It gives me a headache just trying to like piece things together because there's lots of moments where it's like. The way people talk is just a pain. I have to piece these things together. Why is this part of the town like this? Why did these people act this certain kind of way? Because you play as an outsider trying to figure out this like remote society. Um, very confusing. I've never beaten it. Uh, I really want to get through it because it re- there's a game coming out, Pathologic 2, which is not a sequel. It's just a reboot, a remake. So that was confusing as to why it's called Pathologic Two, but I don't know. I think that's out. I might be wrong. I think I think it is out. I I, I think so. I think yeah. I think I think yeah, it's, it's, out. it's I think out. It must it's be out. recent. Came out um, last week. Oh okay. Well damn. Yeah, I need to play through Pathologic. Um, it, there's just something about just surreal art, film writing, just I mean literature, just games that i really really like i really like it it's there's just something about it that just draws me in um yeah and i've, I've been having a lot of i hesitate to say fun playing it <laughs> i've had a lot of intriguing thoughts of just like playing it and piecing things together i guess that's what i i've really liked about it do i recommend it uh if you're i mean if you're into that sort of stuff yeah What's another example of that sort of stuff? Uh, you said a visitor too, probably. trying to. Oh, <laughs> when you said a visitor trying to figure out the community, I thought of like, is this like Twin Peaks? Uh, Twin you know, I, yeah, I kind of get a vibes of that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Huh. 
Yeah, that, that's an interesting way to put it. Or I maybe think... like Siberia, if you've ever, if you know anything I, about Siberia. I, I have never played the Siberia game, so I, I, I don't know too much about those. But if they're like this, I should probably check those out. I, from the little I've played, it's like you go into this town and the people are just odd. It's just fucking cool. odd. Hell yeah, that's what that's what I'm all about. <laughs> it's just this. It, it's just this feeling of this like sick town of just the people are just. It's like a sick, not evil, but it's just strange, and you just get this sinister feeling walking around, like things aren't right. And I like that because there's never really a moment in that game where I can just relax and go, oh, okay, what do I do next? It's just kind of you're running through the town like, okay, what in God's name do I need to do? I saw these crazy townspeople burning a woman at the stake. I don't know why they're doing this. There are these nomadic tribesmen outside that they're considered like cannibals, but they live like kind of in harmony with everybody. Is this true or are these just like provincial rumors? It's just... You you always have to keep moving on to the next thing and keep keep piecing things together, and I've had a lot of fun with that. Um, they did another game, the studio that that made Pathologic. They did another game called um, The Void, I think, and that was just a weird game. Like I, I don't even know how to describe that. And that's another case of just like this surreal kind of odd thing that has barely any connection to reality. And I I really like that. I like those games that make me go what <laughs> i don't know i mean there are games that make me go what and they're just bad because i'm asking what because something very stupid is happening <sighs> but there are games that make me go what and it's like oh i can't comprehend the oh whoa there's a fine line there uh but yeah that's 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 the main like single player thing i've been playing it's been it's been a hoot uh my biggest fear is that i will like i do with many games say to myself i'm gonna take a break and then i just don't come back to it despite the fact i like the game so hopefully i'll just keep keep playing through it and just reach the end but yeah that's uh, that's what i've been playing recently hell yeah um uh, i wanted to talk about ashen but since we've talked for so long on this podcast why don't we wait until you and i beat ashen yeah <laughs> i think then, we're getting near that because we're we're close we're very close yeah which is odd because it felt like I guess we could talk about this next time. But yeah, well, yeah. I also have no idea how long we've played because the Epic Game Store oh, launcher yeah. doesn't have any sort of data on that. And I think I know why. I think it's because if they did track that and show you the stats, people would not play Fortnite as much. <laughs> I, I That's got to be the reason. Like People would be sense. horrified at how many hours they had logged playing Fortnite. I don't think that's, that's necessarily just, that's true, hypothesis. though, because Steam... There's people that have like 10,000 hours in a bunch oh, that's of games right. and no one Yeah, but cares. Steam doesn't care as much. Like, Fortnite is like Epic's baby, and Steam is just kind of like a Walmart. I guess, yeah. <laughs> I guess. That's I don't. I just pretty... don't think people really care how much they put into games anymore. But I guess that will give leverage to all the 12-year-olds that play Fortnite and the parents <laughs> checking. So yeah, yeah, I thought of that. Like that would. Oh man, this would this would this would be a, a a very dangerous thing to weaponize if you're a if you're a parent. Like, Weaponizing twelve year olds. How many fucking hours on Fortnite? Jesus Christ! Mother, I require a credit card. <laughs> I need the V bucks for my character guns or whatever. God oh, bucks. Yeah. Anyone yeah. have any? Anyone have any more shout outs for anything? Or we can just wrap up. Uh, I was I was gonna shout out uh, I I've I've caught up on uh, Chernobyl. And oh, it's, I heard it's that cool. was really good. 
It is really good. I jumped on the Chernobyl bandwagon, and then it oh, it you're ends bandwagon on, on. I'm Monday. The only thing that Monday. I've heard about Chernobyl is from all of my tanky friends, and they were like, "Oh, it's just anti-Soviet." Oh, are they? Oh, wait, are they harping on it because it like talks? It like sh- shows like shitty Soviet bureaucracy or something. <laughs> Probably, but they were <laughs> just like, "Oh, it's just anti-Soviet propaganda." Rebecca, don't watch. I cannot. That <laughs> those that sounds they're too far gone. <laughs> That's absurd. Oh, man. Um, Jeez. But. <laughs> Shouts out Chernobyl. Yeah. No, uh, I think it's really interesting because the, I, I heard, I kind of started listening to, they have like a companion podcast and the, the guy, he, he talks about like what kind of drove him to, to get the idea to make the series. And he kind of talks about like, we have media and we're very familiar with like the Titanic disaster. It's like, everyone knows kind of why the Titanic sank. And he said, he felt like nobody really had like, most people didn't really have a good understanding of why Chernobyl happened the way it did. And so that kind of spurred him to dig into the history of Chernobyl and make a very accurate, uh, docudrama about kind of the behind the scenes and the failures of the bureaucracy there in the Soviet union. Didn't, Part of Modern Warfare take place in Chernobyl, or I was that a second place? Pripyat. They're like yeah, Pripyat. fifty thousand like people right used to live here. No, it's a ghost town. Well, right, whatever. Any any more shout outs? Trover saves the universe. You That's already it. did that. I know. You don't I just, get to do it twice. I just want to say it one more time. <laughs> Sorry, Becca. I've been watching Gentleman Jack, which has been delightful. Um. On HBO, definitely recommend it. Another Stories about lesbians. Awesome. Oh, okay. Um, it's but it's based on like the sort of like journals of this woman named Anne Lester, who was definitely a um a very a very butch lesbian in I think it's said in like the eighteen forties. Oh damn. Yeah, it's really oh, really cool. About. Okay. Um, it's yeah, there. It, it, I don't know. It's really de- delightful. Um, very fun, very spunky. She's this Anne Lester was like a, a a conservative. She was like part of the Tory party, and it's really interesting to see just sort of like complex characters like that. Um, you know, even if she is supposed to be like I don't know, or even not, she's supposed to be. She was definitely like very very progressive in in as far as like gender identity and um sexuality goes but i'm excited for handmaid's tale season three it's coming out next week i didn't know it was getting a third yeah i'm kind of um i don't know how i feel about what is it the final season i'm not sure i haven't really been paying attention um i feel like i just really like the first season so oh, I just that, continued that watching it. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I've, I've heard from people who've like seen it in like media showings and stuff like that, that it's much more hopeful and it's not as like sad and depressing as the other two seasons, which I'm not quite sure how I feel about that. I guess we'll have to wait and see. But I wonder if it's going to sort of like pull from the 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 book sequel that margaret atwood's been working on i wonder how much overlap oh, I forgot there is about that. 
Um, I also don't even know if I want there to be a book sequel. I feel like I really liked how the first one ended and how it was ambiguous and all that stuff. But was season one of that show the one that was based that that was the season based right off the book, and then season two and three were expansions or two was? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I I wasn't sure because I liked season one, but I didn't like season two very much at all. Yeah, there was just I don't know some. They just sort of like think, expanded on the world and added more characters and yeah, and I think for me the problem was just like, like Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale is like it's an iconic book, mm-hmm. and then to add on to that it's like really hard to do. I I don't know what they could have done better, but like it was just like oh man, yeah, it was just hard to do, and I feel like I just didn't really like it. I I feel like with the whole where she like take went back to go get her daughter at the very end. I don't know spoilers. Whoops. Um. I just felt like, oh, you you know, they were just setting up for another season where, like, it could have just been done right here and now and it would have been awesome and great, but they were, I don't know. I was kind of disappointed there, but I'm still going to watch it. All right. I guess we'll oh, end yeah. it there. Yeah, that's all we got, I think. Uh, okay. Thank cool. you for joining us this week on Hit Point Pals. Don't forget to subscribe to our feed and tune in next week for a brand new episode. You can find all of our episodes on the web at hitpointpals.com. And you can find us on Twitter with the handle at HitPointPals. If you do feel so inclined, drop by iTunes and leave us a review. And if you're enjoying our weekly chats, all we ask is that you help spread the word about our show. That's all for this week. Don't call it a comeback. Call it a... Uh... Arena? Don't call it a Mothra. Mothra. Don't call it a Ghidorah. But you can call it a good week for all you Red Sox fans out there. No. Oh my god. Zilla. Oh.